Good, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, living this thing we call life. Is that your car in the background? Or no, that that, I bought one of my photos. That's uh, Ben Hobson's old livery. Oh, nice. All right. So I'm not sure if you've ever listened to our show before. Uh, all we do is talk about what you do in the drifting world and all that fun stuff. Uh, but if you'd like, you can go ahead and start by introducing yourself, who you are, what you do, and where you do it. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Austin Montinger. I uh, used to, pretty much my main thing that everybody knows me is for my drift photography. Uh-huh. Uh, I was the team photographer for Drift HQ's FD team for 2019 um, and 2020. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and then I've done other stuff in between them, like local grassroots stuff, clutch kickers, other things like that. Which ones? Then, do, which one do you like? Uh, is there like a different, like thing to shoot when it comes to shooting stuff like that? Is it different between like the grassroots and the competition stuff? Oh yeah, it's completely different. Completely different. Like, um, FD is like the most regulated. You invest. Um, how many followers you have? How to get in? What you pay? Like. The pay structure is always changing because they change everything from different years. But yeah, it costs it costs photographers to go there. Usually, grassroots events like they're smaller, so they they want more coverage. So they're just like, hey, if you come shoot, like it's free. You know, it's yeah, it's free to come shoot. They're not get though. Maybe have like a small media meeting. Like, hey, like you know stand here don't stand there be smart don't be stupid kind of stuff yeah stay out of harm's way type situation yeah exactly and then but fd is like there's places you can be places you can't be and if you are you're being watched all the time and if you if you do not listen to them they will take your vest because you have a vest with a number on it and i mean it's smart because there's people out there there's photographers that do dumb stuff and then the you know, and there's other people that like you you don't, and you can kind of ask and get away with it if they start to know you. You know what I mean? But yeah. like majority rules, and they have to kind of make rules that work for everybody, so everybody's safe because it is dangerous out there at some points. You know, you got thousand horsepower cars going next to you, and you could definitely get hurt in certain places. Um, but like FD is cool to shoot just because you can network and really meet cool people and like the top level drivers but grassroots stuff and like clutch kickers it's just kind of like in between mm-hmm. right it's still considered a grassroots event um until recently i guess you could say um starting to get more mainstream and bigger but it's still pretty chill like everybody there's pretty chill in terms of like you know you can get close as you can but don't be stupid you know yeah I think uh, knowing how a car is going to, or knowing how cars work and knowing like, how it's going to fly off might help too. The photo in my background right here is like the entry point for clutch kickers. Have you ever watched it? The first initiation to outside zone one. So I'm standing on the inside corner. I was standing there rally style, like mm. leaning out, taking photos at some point, And nobody, nobody said anything. I just like, yeah, they didn't complain, so. No I thought somebody was coming over to say something, and they were just coming over to adjust the lights. Oh, no. Actually, uh, the last Clutch Seekers event, what was it, round five? 
Round five. I was there as a spotter. Oh, nice. So yeah, I've done I've done some cool stuff too, like other stuff besides. Oh, so you, um, you also do spotting? Um, I was asked to do spotting for uh, Savio from Drift HQ and uh, Josiah from FDF. Oh, nice. So because uh, Savio is involved with Drift HQ, and then Josiah was their driver for uh, 2021. Oh, that's right. Oh, I said I said 2020 season. I was a driver. I meant 2021. So 19, we skipped 2020 because of COVID, and then 2021. I'm so lost. I still think it's 2020 half the time, and I'm like, oh yeah, we're about to. Be yeah, it's, Yeah, I just just asterisks next to 2020. But yeah, so um, yeah, so I was there spotting for them. I've done yeah, I've done stuff like that. I've done. I've had so many jobs. I like in my main job was uh, I was a uh, until recently I was a dive boat captain. A what? A dive boat captain, like scuba diving. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did. I was a scuba dive, but I live out of uh, Palm Beach, like Jupiter, Florida. Mm-hmm. So I did that there, and then like before that, I was a shark diver, like in I'd go to the Bahamas and dive with tiger sharks. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it was, that was fun. That was really good fun. That sounds before, exhilarating. That was before COVID. I was making really good money, like, and you just get to pet tiger sharks. Was that like and, a like a tourist type deal? Huh? Like, was that like an attraction for like tourist type thing? No, it's like it's very specific. Like, it, it, a lot of those people were coming in to take their really big main mainstream photographers for like National Geographic, like. If anybody know out there knows like um Guy Harvey and the name sounds uh, familiar, but I couldn't tell if, you. If, if you see a guy on you know, a guy on Tinder holding a, a fish up, he's probably wearing a Guy Harvey shirt <laughs> with that fish. Like, it's just the Guy Harvey shirts are just like if you you know, you remember those memes that are like hey, your Florida man starter pack? It's like Guy Harvey shirt, fish fishing gold necklace. And like some uh, Costa Del Mars, it's like your Florida Man starter pack. Yeah, you guys thought the Florida Man starter pack was like the front page news of some kind. Well, yeah, I mean that comes along. <laughs> with it. That's what he's wearing when you get the picture. Yeah, right. His, uh, but no, yeah. So uh, we get like a lot of Nat Geo stuff. You can look it up. It's like uh, Jim Abernathy Scuba Adventures, and like it's a place called Tiger, or just look up Tiger Beach, mm-hmm. Bahamas, and there's millions of photos and you'll see like i was the guy at the crate like as the tiger sharks came up to me you just go you put your hand there and you just kind of push them off of you that was fun and then uh before that i was a paramedic for a while i've done so much stuff like so and then now i went medic for um i was an emt paramedic i started 2000 i graduated 2015 Took a year off, rode my motorcycle to Alaska, and then came back. So 2016 till like 2018. Damn, my man, you've lived a life. I've tried. I've done a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Not, not not as many. Not a, a lot of people get to say they went drove a motorcycle to Alaska. It's more than you think. Definitely not from where I've been. Uh-huh. If you're, if you're awesome, where, where are you out of? I, I'm I'm born and raised in L.A. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, maybe not LA. Yeah, but... <laughs> like super expensive to live here. Yeah, but the thing, the funny thing is, is, if you're on a motorcycle, you don't really, you're not spending a lot. That's fair. 
like I was sleeping in a hammock most of the time. So most of the times, like all you had to do is pay for food and gas. That works. So if you, if you could save up ten thousand dollars, you you could definitely go take a six month trip and or not even like a three month trip and go do it. Yeah. But a lot of people do it. If you like, if you listen like overlanding and stuff, or you're in the industry, it's not. It's it's more feasible than you think it is, and I think people are just scared to take the leap, so they make excuses to do it. And so I was That's just like, I sold all my stuff, and like you, you know, you realize how much stuff you accumulate, and you're like, oh, when you start selling it cheap, you're like, oh, all of a sudden I got five grand extra, and I don't have to pay storage fees and all this other shit. So. That's true. You know, I just wanted to get away for a while and just go do that. And then when I came back, I really like hammered down and just started working again. Yes. So, and then now my this recent job, I uh, started working for Tire Streets. So, got the in charge of the events and sponsorships. So that's good. It's fun times. So I've done a lot. I've definitely like tried to hustle to get to where I am. And that's good. And then, but you just mentioned like you just graduated in 2015, right? And that was that college or high school? Uh well it's a graduation like a paramedic program so oh, okay. you, depending on where you are at it's a one year to two year program mm-hmm. uh with a three month thing being the EMT so you have to be an EMT first and then most people go into the fire department I just didn't feel like going into the fire department gotcha. um I, I I like to travel which is great for this job because I'm I honestly all get to get to go to grid life and like events around the country and meet people like i'll probably get to like end up in california and meet you dude that'd be sweet get to connect with people so it's really it's really kind of a job that i really wanted to do i don't like being in one place for too long so yeah. it worked but yeah then the thing with the fire department is you can you can i don't know i don't want to go into that it's not a fire podcast but yeah. no it doesn't it's, just, it's a really good job. If anybody out there is like doesn't have a college degree and doesn't want to go to college and wants to get paid really well, just go into the fire department. You'll have extra money to uh, spend. You'll have extra money and a lot of time to spend uh, on your drifting habits. Yeah, I had a buddy like that I grew up with. He got into it, but it took him forever to get through. Uh, well, it, it, to get hired is the hardest part. Yeah. But like paramedic, paramedic, and then fire school will take you. It would take you like two years to go through all that and to get hired. So like to get hired, it'd probably be another three years. But if you're really smart, you can get hired pretty quick. Nice. And most starting pay for firefighter jobs is like 50K, depending on where you are in the country. And you work 24 hours on. You got two days off. Most people have secondary jobs. So you have a lot of extra time and all extra money to go drift with. So anybody out there that wants to supplement their drift budget, become a firefighter. Nice. That would uh, be helpful. I work with, um, I work on fire alarms for a living. So, do you? Yeah, that's why I was like, that's what I do. So I do it with like fire marshals and shit all the time. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't work in the field anymore. I do more of like scheduling, managing, uh, bidding on projects and stuff. But um, I was a field tech for shit, like 16 years. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of the people don't talk about that in drifting. It's like, what do people really do with their. How do they like, get their money? How, how do they afford yeah, their... I, it's a question I ask her. How do they afford their habit, you know? Yeah. It, it's a question I ask her often just because, like, I'm curious. Like, how are you paying for this? Because I know how I'm paying for it, and I'm barely paying for it. 
type situation. Yeah, a lot of people aren't honest too. They don't want because I mean it's, it's something about our like in our society that like from a young age is scolded about asking about money and like oh you shouldn't talk about that. It's like no, you really should. Like you yeah. should be honest about what you're making, what you other people are making, and just be like because then you're like oh okay that's obtainable, and then yep. instead of people being like oh I can make a million dollars off of NFTs, and I'm like okay. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Let's be a little bit more realistic. Like, yes, you can, but it's also unrealized gains. So, like, let's talk about realistic stuff here. Exactly. And when and if that falls through, don't I don't want the crypto crowd to come after me. Like, I know. (laughs) If you're making money, go for it. Good, but like, if it's affording you drifting, by all means, go nuts. Uh, Speaking of Thomas Miata's all over crypto. How'd you uh, How'd you end up getting into drifting? Like, what's your whole like? drifting career situation going on i like started like just i don't know where the i think what it was from a young age like i always wanted to be a race car driver and i always wanted like formula one like even to this day like my aol address i still have is like f1 racer i'm not giving out the rest i don't want to get weird messages yeah but but, um yeah so like from a really young age, that is AOL, that's like 12 years old. And so then I realized like, you know, people start telling you, oh, you'll never be a race car driver. You're too old. And you're like 12. And you're like, what? You're like, oh, then you find out that those people start carding at like four. Yeah, yeah. that's the crazy thing. Yeah. And then, then you get older and you're like, okay, maybe road racing. And then you're like, oh, you have to have a lot of money. Like road racing is not cheap and it's the, it's like the price of entry. So then, like, I've always been enamored by Japan and just, like, uh, like samurai culture, anime, stuff like that. And, like, through that as a kid in, like, my 15, 16, you, like, you found, I found out about drifting, you know. And then I found out about, like, I remember seeing, like, the old um, Drift Alliance videos and, like, even had a shirt when I was 19 that said, you know, live fast, die young. And it's the tattoo that Ryan Turk has on his chest. So I was always a fan of drifting until from like 18 years old. I'm 33 now, but I never got into it and like really started it drifting until or getting in the industry until I was like 2018. So like 30 years old. So I waited like 15, almost 15, 13 years before I even got into the industry, even though I was like always infatuated with it from a young age. Yeah, that's just kind of a similar situation. Like, I didn't walk into it until about 2015. But as soon as I went to, like, my first Formula Drift event, it's kind of, like, it's yeah. sucked me in all the way. So so I, what it was, the funny thing is, is I only started, yeah, so from that age, I don't know what I was in between there. I lived in Hawaii, too, for a little bit, so there wasn't really much racing out there. But I was into drag racing. I got sucked into drag racing because that was the easiest people I knew. I was a crew chief for a drag race team, like a smaller, like grassroots team for a little bit. And there wasn't really many drift events in Florida at the time, you know, that I knew of. And there's, it, it, you know, the internet, Facebook and YouTube, everybody kind of thinks it's this crazy thing now. It's because it's here now. But like back then when you're like 18, 19, 20, like it wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. Like podcasts weren't a thing, YouTube. So like collecting information and finding out where events were, what well, wasn't a thing back then, All right? So like 
I didn't really, you only kind of knew through friends and there wasn't really anybody in, in drifting to like, or that are, I knew around that was drifting or had any knowledge of it when I was like in my 20, like 22, 23. So, but now I think you can go to 50 states of drift and I can find out where every drift event is in the country for the whole year. Yeah. People don't know about that website. I need to have that guy on too, because that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I like that. 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 That website's great. I'm, I, that guy was at one round of clutch kickers, and he had a e, he's a purple E30. That's so sick. Yeah. One of the guys I drift with, uh, barn built drifting. They have. We're all BMW guys. I have E46. The other guy's got E36, and then Chris has an E30, and then Ryan has an RX7. But we're hopefully trying to build a, a five series drift taxi. So. Which uh, which chassis? Uh, E thirty nine. Uh, I I was uh, highly considering one of those at one point. Yeah, well, Vulcan Vulcan had one with no angle kit, but I'm trying to work with Josiah. Josiah said I sent pictures of the the angle and of the uh, geometry, and he mm-hmm. said that the E ninety two kit would probably fit. And he just sent me one to just check and see if it would. Oh, nice. Be cool. Be cool I, to see for sure. I actually need to. I need to send him my uh, control arms and knuckles for my for, what? for the Cadillac. I'm supposed to, but they get a kit together for it. Uh, have you talked to him? Mm-hmm. I thought it's the same as the Corvette. Is it not? So it's similar, but it's nowhere near the same. So like the knuckle distance, like the Corvette knuckle is much shorter. Uh, mine is a little bit longer. I think mine would be closer to like a super kit. Um, than yeah. anything else, but even then, it's still so far away from the super kit that it doesn't make sense to like oh, purchase uh, um, oh, the super, the yeah. super kit. Yeah, like a, a like the M4. Uh, yeah, well, no, yeah. Talk to Josiah. Josiah is like that's one thing I like about him is like he's so receptive to like if something's wrong or if people have criticism, like. A lot of companies won't take that well, and they just won't listen to you. But mm-hmm. so you're like, "What do you know? What do you know?" I don't, yeah, exactly. You know, he literally will like. I mean, he'll kind of do that, but he'll be like, "Okay, that's fair," depending on who it's coming from. Yeah. Like, but like, because you can't just be like, "Oh," because a lot of it is some people just don't know how to set up their cars, and then they're blaming the kit for it. Yeah. They're not for it not being set up. And anybody that doesn't know how to set up a car, doesn't know Ackerman or Tank Camber or Toe or stuff like that, go check out his videos. He does, he did an amazing series of videos on like what affects what. And yeah. is that the one where he has it kind of set up where he kind of has like this yeah, whole yeah, jig set up? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, actually. built this whole rig set up to really explain and go in depth. And that's another, but it, it's also a problem. And I've told him, I was like, you're too smart. yeah and he's like he's like what do you mean i'm like i was like i'm an idiot i'm like i'm oh i'm i'm average intelligence in terms of of knowing how to set up a car but i had to watch it five times just to get it through my head i was like imagine most people that like just like you know you're speaking chinese to them yeah you have to to, we i told him we have to do it do it again and then i'm just going to be his uh his his drifter translator like okay what he meant kids It's just because I was like, it's it's very hard to comprehend because he talks it. He talks like an engineer, and he know? talks fast at the same time. 
but he also but he also shows and, you, like, he'll, and then he'll he'll say that stuff and he'll look at you like you got that you right? <laughs> you got that? And I'm like no yeah. no not at all say it, like say it again yeah. yeah we have got close from you know when I was his, his uh photographer at FD, you know mm. he's a really nice guy all the all the guys at FD are usually pretty nice and um and the Drift HQ guys, I love those guys. I was just over there this weekend. That was fun. Nice. How far is that from you? Uh, about two hours. Oh, that's not so too I, bad. I drove up there and see like the, their mechanic, Chris, and Cricket, their fabricator, like really good friends of mine mm-hmm. from being on the team, and then Joel, the media guy, and even Duarte, like Savio and all them. So we always like try to hang out, you know, so it's kind of cool. Nice. So I was just there helping Cricket a little bit and just – just hanging out because I didn't have anything to do this weekend. It was fun. And I got to watch some the cars drift uh, and jump. I saw for that. The L- for the LZ invitation, it was insane. So Cricket built this huge ramp for the LZ Invitational. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you guys can see if you go check out the uh, the live stream. I think you have to be a me- you have to join on YouTube on his channels to watch. And then you can watch it, but like it's a 24 foot by 20 foot or 24 feet ramp. And uh, it's going to be pretty insane. Like it's only, it's only eight inches tall and you don't think that's a lot, but it's like going off a curb sideways. Yeah. That seems like it's a lot. It's a lot. Like you look at it and you're like, ah, that's nothing. And then, but you see a car go off of it and you're like, Oh, that's, Unsettling. It's like, and then the predictions of how the chassis uh, would handle it were kind of. We thought the um, is your battery going out? Your, no, my uh, well, my light just died behind me, so I was like, "What the hell's flickering?" You got that single man. You got that single bachelor uh, telltale sign in the background. Oh no no no! We are that, in my office. That, no, I'm talking about the the fire alarm beep. Where you you hear beep? Here? You don't hear it? No, I don't have a fire alarm beep. I swear to God, I keep hearing it. It's not me. Like the the smoke detector beep? Yeah, it's a low the low alarm beep. Yeah. No. That's uh, good to know that people are picking stuff up like that. No, there's nothing in there. me. I'm just I'm so ADD and like I get distracted easy. Dude, so do I. I'll start working on something and then like something will catch me out of the corner of my eye, and then yeah, I'll be literally. doing that. I'm not really good at podcasts and other stuff. It's like even my new boss, he's like, you got to, you kind of shotgun approach everything. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I just, she's like, well, there it is. I just started again telling you. Yeah, didn't hear anything. That's what I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, we also had headphones on, so. Oh, um, that's fair. But the reason I say that is there's no smoke detectors in this house. It's old. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Is it? Oh, um, there you go. Jesus. Uh, yeah, no. See, I like I just go on tangents all the time. I get easily distracted. Back to what I was saying before was, uh, yeah. So how did I get into it? And like the the funny thing is, is the photography. I got into drift photography so I could get into the drift events for free. Okay, that's like I want to. I like I wanted to be a photographer, or like and just kind of just do stuff for me. I'm telling you. There's a smoke alarm in your house. Now I cannot not hear it. Dude, I swear I do not have one. I can show you where I took it down. <laughs> so funny. 
Something's beeping your house. Something's low. Something is low on like the battery. Like in my office, like it's super quiet. Maybe you know. Maybe you took it down and then you just put it there. And no, still, <laughs> I wish. No, there must be something. Bottom. There must be some other interference then. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I was like, just started doing it just to get in the drift events for free at my local grassroots events, mm-hmm. and then I just started talking to the the drifters and Drift HQ was in that that realm and um so i just started giving them photos i started giving the barn boat guys photos and then got close to the barn boat guys got close to the drift hq guys um and then ultimately they let like i always lived in apartments no garages so i think that was one of the hindrances to like getting a car and drifting from a young age yeah and so um i went up to uh the Barnboat guys finally let me keep a car there. So I got an E46 drift car and then just started adding all the cool parts from Drift HQ and just, and then I got closer with them. And then, then I ended up just getting better and better with my photography in that realm. And um, Drift HQ was going into FD 2019. And I just went up to them and asked. And I pretty much shot for free for 2019. And then I picked up like six or seven teams shooting for like, they, I just had them pay my fee, mm-hmm. like not my fee, but the FD fee. So I didn't have to pay it. And I so I shot for Travis reader, his rookie year. I shot for the Sorensons, Amanda and Brandon, uh, Joao Barion, who is a Brazilian driver. And then, Alex Schlegel and um, who was the other guy? Andrew Schulte. He had that like anime style, like 240SX with the Lingenfelter 240, right? Yeah, really, really amazing sound engine. Um, Yeah, he he retired pretty much. But yeah, so like that was where I went with the photography stuff and then just kind of kept doing stuff. Kept going to the drift events. I submitted an article to Speed Hunters. They accepted one. Nice. And then went into did uh, a rally in in Maine and did another article. Speed Hunters got another one in there. And then it kind of I took a year off because as a photographer, sometimes you like you get really taken advantage of. And I really hope that like people that listen to this podcast and like that are thinking about getting into pro am or getting into drifting and want photos from media people Mm -hmm. is you got to pay them. Yeah. Stop. Even if they say they'll give it to you for free, give them something. I mean, just something. If it's free, like 10 or $20 is better than ask them just outright refuse to pay, like get free photos. Cause it's like, they work so hard much to get stuff. Like I think my equipment It's got to be worth like $50,000. And I've never made anywhere near that. Yeah. In terms of pay for it. So you got to like, and you know, I get that they have a big expense with their engine and their team and tires and all that stuff too. It's like, I don't think they realize how much a photographer puts in, in terms of the same amount just to get out there to events. And then some of these guys are just so nice not business minded and just are very art minded and just 
want to have their photography taken seriously and people like just want to have their stuff seen and liked and, and whatever. And, you know, shooting for exposure only goes so far. Like yeah. if anybody tells you that they like shooting for free, unless it's like what I did at FD and like shooting for a team and like, you need to get to a huge event like that. And like, there's only one way to go in and you're unknown. It's different than like, is like, not getting paid at at local grassroots events like yeah i just got a pick guys it's not as bad as it used to when i first got into it a couple of years ago but i think more people are, are being realizing like that you know media is not free yeah you, and i've done that in the past too where someone's like oh uh like it's gonna be this much like i didn't even consider the fact i was like fuck these guys gotta get paid too uh yeah but now it's like hey how much like when i approached somebody it's like hey how much do you want for x amount of photos or this photo and sometimes yeah. i'll get like oh you can have all the photos for x i was like no i just want one just this one yeah um, and i think some, some photographers are cool with that and then some are like no you take them all or you don't take any it's so funny yeah because you know what the funny thing is it's easier to have all of them than it is to have just one because then i have to sort and go through more it's, it's sometimes it depends on how people have their whole setup yeah and workflow um but no i just like and the funny thing is also anybody listening uh you can negotiate yeah, like always funny. negotiate with them like if somebody was like it's better like zero you can't if you start at zero that's <laughs> if there's any photographers like don't start at zero yeah you know but you can like if, if i said like hey it's 50 dollars for like this photo package and you came back and you're like hey i'll give you 20 for one i'd be like okay sure like okay. it just i can just here's the one or i'll give you 20 for five or whatever like i'd be like okay because you know there is a monetary value some guys put it on there and like sometimes they're hard asses but like it's all you can always ask at least i always expect people to ask like you know Sometimes as a media guy, I just don't haggle with people because I just know what they're worth. But it's business. You can ha usually haggle with everything. Yeah. Uh. But ha the funny thing, the thing is, though, is like anybody who wants media, if you are, you know, we're on a pro-am drifting podcast, right? People are kind of, this is pretty much for people that want to go pro, pro-am or whatever. Like, they, I don't, it just seems like what your audience is, right? Uh, for the most part, or just people who are into drifting and kind of just yeah. Want well, okay, about but the drivers. If a lot of people want to go pro or thinking about going doing pro am or whatever, like, and you want to be like now that I am in the sponsorship realm, uh -huh. like I get so many people's proposals. Good media gets you way further than flowy words. Like, if you have a long worded proposal, I just I just tune out. But if you have like 18 good shots of you doing cool shit, that means that that means that that you have good media presence, meaning that you have good content, which is what brands care about. Yes. You know, no, some brands don't care about followers because followers don't mean anything. I don't know if you went out and bought those followers. I don't know if you got, you know, likes. You can go buy likes. You can pay for whatever you want. But like, it's all about like engagement. Like if you're out there a nice person and you have, you have a good relationship with media, they give you a lot of stuff and 
there's some good drivers. There's drivers that are better at their persona and being marketable than they are better drivers. Yeah, that that's right. And that's like, and if you want to keep driving and you want to pay get pay less out of your pocket and like whether you're good or not, you just got to be marketable. That's all. That's all it is. Which is fair, and it's also kind of like a hard reality. Like I have a few friends like that I've made throughout drifting and. They kind of mm-hmm. have a hard time with the fact that, like, they're like I know I'm a better driver than such and such, but like, why aren't I getting the same deals? But you know, then again, like, you're also not driving as much as said. Yeah, you're not marketable. You know, you don't. You're not posting. You don't have the media. Um, and like a lot of that can be solved by just like being buddy buddy with the photographers and the media people. Yeah. The nicer, the nicer you are to the media people, the better you take care of them the more likely that my camera's on when you go around track. And it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, cause why, why would I sit there? If I don't know you, I like, and your car looks like everybody else's car. Like that's another thing. Make your car stand out, right? You want to get more shots of your car, make your car stand out. Cause everybody like, I'm not going to shoot 16 white E36s. Yeah. Right? Like unless when I go all in a tandem, I don't want to hear about when it. I go, yeah. Unless they're all in a tandem. Like, but like, how am I going to even know who it is? Yeah, exactly. Like make like whether it's stickers or whatever, make it stand out, make it look cool. I know people are like going to say, "Oh, that's stupid." Like I don't, but like, like I want my car to look stock. Okay, well if it looks stock, put a sticker on it with your name or your Instagram on it, or like go talk to the media guys and be like, "Hey, can you get me some shots of that my car?" And it's also just a part of the scene. Like that uh, style is very much. A bit, probably one of the biggest parts of drifting is having your own style. I mean, there's there's style to having a stock car. Too. No, there is. But, and then there's different styles. But I'm mean, I'm just saying, like, but if it's if, bland. You if your car isn't noticeable, then your driving's got to be noticeable, or you just have to be nice to the media guys and ask them to take photos of you, and then just be like, tell them what car yours is, and then just you know try to work out a deal before the event. That's the best time to hit up media people is when they like before they're even there. Because then it gives them an excuse to go there. So, like, you probably get a better deal at your grassroots event if you hit up media people before. Yeah, for sure. This guy's giving all, all the secrets. I'm telling you, like, it's just because, like, some guys, it, you know, it, if it's not free. It still costs me to drive there, yeah. take off my weekend, go there, whatever. If somebody, if, like, five people hit me up and were like, hey, I love your stuff. I'll pay you fifty dollars to come give me some shots for the week for the at the event. I'll pay you a hundred dollars for it. And then if five people did that for me, I'd be like, "That's five hundred dollars." Like I'm definitely coming, and I'm definitely going to shoot you guys. And it's way better than like trying to nickel and dime at the end of an event. Yeah, and then you also have the um, kind of like the yeah. potential to make more money when you're taking other photos of other people's vehicles. Yeah, that, and then also it's just like you can. If you, as a driver, want shots, you can definitely negotiate. If the guy's not even there yet, it's a lot easier to negotiate because nothing's happened yet. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll pay you $50 to come out and shoot me. If, if, and then if you're a driver and you got 10 friends and you say, hey, I got 10 friends that will pay you $50, that's $500 for that guy. If you're all going to the same event, like that's the same thing as buying tires. Same thing as anything else in drifting. The more you buy, the more people you get together and you can buy together, the cheaper something could be. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's a big thing that like Tire Streets does and I do. It's like people don't realize it's like, oh, if I can get 20 people together and buy 80 tires, you'll give me a, a discount. 
Oh yeah. Like the more tires you buy, the bigger your discount's gonna be. Yeah, like I set it up to like with uh probably shouldn't be saying this. Well no, it's not bad. So I set it up to where like I'll buy enough tires just to have. So like I'll buy like let's just say it's like sixteen tires at a time. I'm not gonna yeah. have to do sixteen tires in one event. That's nothing, a, huh? that's nothing new to me. That's a, that's like everybody does that. Yeah, like, and then, but I'll put it on my credit. A lot of people won't do it because they don't have the ca- like the cash flow for it. But yeah. like I'll put it on my credit card, pay it off before the end of the month, and then not only did I get those tires at a discount, I also got points for that. Okay, yeah. So you, here's here's the thing. Here's some financial advice, right? Not advice, but I can't say that. But here's some financial thinking for you, right? The interest rate on your credit card is. 23 percent if you carry that balance over for two months correct if you buy a certain amount of tires say 34 30 tires you can get 30 percent off on that on that that amount of tires so you're saving 30 percent and then so even if you paid the carryover balance on your credit card you'd still be saving 10 percent yep right Mm mm-hmm and that's if you don't pay it off within a timely manner. Like, I'll usually make sure I have at least half oh, yeah, to cover it, and then the other half I'll have shortly after. You got to be smart. I'm not going out there. Kids, yeah. don't put... Don't go into racing debt. Don't, don't put $20,000. Yeah, don't do that. Tires on your thing. Unless you want to call me, and then I'll take your order. I don't care. Yeah. Just, no. Don't go into debt trying to be a hot boy. Like, that's the, the dumbest thing. Yeah. Just because somebody like that just wants to see people succeed. Because... You'll get burnout, and then you'll get be like I'm out. So. Yeah, and then you'll be in debt still when you leave. I think that's another thing that people really need to realize in this like has gotten out of control is the horsepower wars. Oh, for like, sure. I had an E46 with a 2.5 liter in it, mm-hmm. not even a three liter, and I just really balance my car well and i could keep up with the bigger guys and stuff but like if i misstep like took a misstep or whatever i would honestly they would just walk on me because they're like the guys i drift with they get like 300 400 horsepower my car's got like 150 dead donkeys the thing's not moving at all yeah. unless you know i really just clutch kick the hell out of it on a 205 but a whole lot of tire pressure, I assume. But yeah, I mean, it had it had an SLR kit. It had silvers, really set up well. It had, you know, dual, um, dual caliper from seems legit. It had, uh, I had a speaker bar in it for the parties. Speaker bar. Yeah. So in my, I had a harness bar with NRG racing seats, and on on the harness bar, I took a, a UTV, like you know the yeah. Side by sides, I bought a side by side speaker bar, and then plugged a, a subwoofer that was behind my seat. So like, I, and it was Bluetooth, so I had it Bluetooth to my phone. So it was just like listening to music while I was drifting. Shit, I need to do that because that's not necessarily illegal. No, it's, it was like it's no. I don't even think I don't even think it's illegal in FD. It doesn't say there's nothing that says you cannot have a stereo system in your car. Doesn't say you can't have, even listen to music while you drift. It doesn't say that either. Yeah, yeah. I, that's all I do. I have there's video of me out there, of me literally listening to like Ludacris while I'm like tandeming. Yeah, I feel more comfortable too when I'm listening to music as well, especially like depending Pump you on down. music it is. Yeah, it's definitely. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm listening to what Eminem's like Eight Mile album, but it's just 
which I listen like, to whatever. I listen to classical music. Yeah. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, you just I like because that's that's what a lot of people get away from is like everybody wants to make it to like I feel like a lot of people's goal is to make it to FD to pro am and to get just go through the ranks. It's like and then they like kind of put to the wayside. It's just having fun with your friend and like put a stereo system in your car is like that's the ultimate like this guy's here to have fun like lights underneath the car lights in the car stereo system with a subwoofer while i'm drifting and like passenger seat like bringing be able to do ride-alongs like that's what drifting's about that's the difference between every other motorsport and race sport out there is the fact that like it's solely about fun first and then yeah. people people turn it into competitions but like when you go to an event most of the times you're just there to have fun with your friends and you in it's about it it's about bringing other people in right yeah and then there's also the main reason to be there is to go drive uh, at least for me yeah. it is you know but drive with your friends yeah yeah, yeah. It's not about competing with your friends. Correct. I mean, there's the competition, but like, you know, most of the events that everybody goes to, there's no first, second, third. It's- I've seen a lot of people, especially like here in the SoCal scene, like they'll, they'll kind of like they'll leave the drifting. They'll be like, oh, you know, the people, like, I don't like the people. In drifting. I'm like, you're not here for the people. Come to Florida. Huh? Come to Florida. Is it completely different? I assume. Completely different. I've yeah, had Micah, here, it's a little Mike, Micah Diaz. Micah Diaz came down for Clutch Kickers and uh-huh. with Drift HQ. Uh, he did a whole video series about it. And like, we were just hanging out, cooking. Like, Drift HQ was cooking. The Barn Belt guys were cooking. People break their cars. Literally, at this, and this is even at a Florida competition, Clutch Kickers competition. Mm-hmm. It was Dimitri who was in just in pro, one prospect. Grudzki? Uh, He's been on Yeah. Grudzki. He His car broke. And I think one of his competitors gave the, I think Drift HQ or somebody else gave him a differential or a transmission or an axle or something in order to continue competing with him. Oh, nice. Like what other motorsport would that happen in? But no, even Mike Diaz, he came out and he's like, I don't, he's like, man, this is so different than the SoCal scene. He's like, and we're just like, what do you mean? He's like, a lot of those guys just like, it's just not, it's just different down there. And he's like, you guys seem like, way more relaxed and just about having fun and like it's not a competition it's not yeah. like, and he's it like, is but you still have you're there to have a good time as well yeah but like yeah in florida it's just straight up about having just a good time i mean we do get kind of crazy with our horsepower stuff which is like i kind of like the northeast not the like virginia area the virginia area i don't know what it was i think it was a like u.s drift and then Spirit JP, mm-hmm. they have a big influence in that area, and their their influence was straight from Japan, like low horsepower, cut knuckles, big flashy style, like four wheel slides, no welded diffs, two way LSDs, like they're about like doing as much as you can with a stock car with like stock components without putting all these go fast parts on it. Yeah, and. uh that's I kind of I like that style. That's why I'm like that. My stock two two point five liter. I it was kind of a flex. I wasn't the best. I'm never was never going to be the best at, with a two point five liter. I'm never not saying that I am the best or anything like that. But it was kind of cool to be like I have a two point five liter, 
m54 engine and i can still kind of go out and hang with like the guys with like ls's and stuff like that yeah and just and that and then you come in and people come up and be like that you have a turbo in it and you're like what yeah. like i wish it's not even it's like it's a two point for that but then again it's a lot of that was probably just naive kids who were like that thing's cool like, you got a sound system in it yeah, yeah. but yeah i traded that car for an m3 so i'm out of I'm out of drifting right now, but I'm, I know I say this stuff and then I go like, what am I doing? Cause right now I'm building a, uh, 700 horsepower Jay-Z. <laughs> Cause why not? Right. Well, it's, I wanted to do a build that I've never done before. I've always been enamored by like building engines and mechanical stuff. And I'm not a big LS guy. I'm a big inline six, so S54, M54, JZ, 1J, 2J, no RBs, though. Yeah, the I think uh, a lot of the stuff, like when it comes to building, a lot of us enjoy the build just as much as like driving and stuff. Yeah. But being able to afford both is a little difficult. Yeah, I exactly. And people need to be realistic. Like you see yeah. stuff, like, oh, it's like they not going to debt. I think I have just in the short block. Which is funny. I got a car for free. I got a chassis. I got an E46 coupe chassis for free. Yeah. And then, I got a, and then I got an engine for free. Um, it was a, one of my buddies blew it up. And so I just, it was sitting outside for a while. And I was like, hey, I'll take that engine. So it was a 1J. So I sent it to the machine shop. And I think I have like four grand into it. And it's probably built for like, a thousand horsepower, but I'll probably stay at like five or six just to keep it reliable, quote reliable. Yeah. Reliable is the keyword. Right. Um yeah. with like and then I'll just do EGTs. I'll probably have like fifty thousand dollars into this build by the time it's like running. Yeah, the but, the build snowball is real and people But here's that. here's the thing. I I only traded I only traded my M fifty four, my little E forty six run haver kind of drift car because my friend had a, M, a e46 m3 and we worked something out where he wanted to start drifting i gave it to him and i took his car and then i was going to pay him off later right yeah so i kind of just get rid of it just to, so i can have an m3 my dream car sorry if you uh, can hear my dog they are a part of the fine. show that's all right yeah uh yeah so I, yeah so i did that and then I have another E46 sedan shell, and I have three E46, like the M54 engines that uh -huh. I'm just going to put in and then get Josiah to send me an angle kick and goes, go out and just start hitting people's doors because I don't care about that car. And then if anybody is honestly listening, don't try to build a Pro-Am build until like and then not have another car to have fun with like i know so many people that like they like they do what i'm doing right they, they got an empty chassis that's painted and got a roll cage in it and they're building the engine and you're talking about like a three-year process mm -hmm. and in all that time you've lost out on seat time like how many events and how many whatever and when all you really needed was a 240 with cut knuckles or a e46 with like 
a mini SLR kit or an FDF kit and just clutch kicking. You don't even, even the stock handbrake was one of those drift HQ extenders and like such simple stuff, like a bucket seat and a harness. And you could be out there with your friends, like really getting your seat time in. Instead, you waited three years to build a car that either by the end that you don't know how to drive or by the end you get tired of and you sell. Yeah. Like there's, there's like so many builds out there that people have, have barely drove because they get so sick of the they're process. Like a fresh $40,000 build and they're like, take it for 25. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and, almost and, better to buy somebody else's build. It is. It is a lot cheaper. And then to be honest, like I am one of those people that did that. Like I did. So I had an E46 before. I mm-hmm. put that into the wall or window and wrote that off. That's how the Cadillac came to be. Right. Um, but like I did do that first thing it took me like a year and a half to build the e46 i wasn't out there getting the seat time i needed yeah and i did the same thing with the cadillac this year i decided to take a couple steps back i got another cadillac that i can just drive around but my comp car is still 100 percent ready to go like i go jump in it right now if i wanted to and take it to the racetrack but yeah and i think people just get so like infatuated with like power and speed mm-hmm. and whatever if there was a small, if there was like a smaller way or like a way where people want to do, people do want to do competitions at some point, but all the competitions are big horsepower and everybody keeps searching for more horsepower, more horsepower. Yeah. It's fun. Big horsepower is fun. But if you had like four friends that all had E46s with like, even just, even if you were like, okay, I'm going to spend two grand and put a turbo on it. A turbo M54 can take 300 horsepower, which is like the same as like a stock Jay-Z right a jay-z swap 240 or something so you can stay up with those guys mm-hmm. but even then if you just didn't decide to turbo it and have one of the most in my opinion reliable engines in a car with the m54 um minus the cooling system some, some people oh yeah i mean yeah. that's just people, yeah, that's- people get hit in the front and then the the expansion tank hits the power steering pump so just make sure you guys if you have an e46 with a stock cooling system zip tie the hell out of your your radiator so it will not hit the power steering pump and carry a spare expansion tank they're 30 dollars and they take 10 minutes at the track to swap out so and some distilled water so you're and that's you're, probably good advice we should probably do that an episode of like common car like common things to have for certain for common cars m54s just zr like via zr1 like extra oil filled uh, water an expansion tank, uh, tie rods, a shit ton of tie rods, mm. right? Yes. Like those are che- these are cheap things that you're going to go through in drifting. Rock Auto is your friend when it comes to tie rods. Yeah, and the E46 is for sure. So like, um, like quick stuff. That's what I say. Like that's like quick stuff because that's as much problems I've had. Just kind of have like um, at least like one of those. What what is it like a ten gallon or twenty gallon so, bucket? Yeah, like axle. With- like an axle, yep. Axle cheap, mm-hmm. um, and then like uh, there's I can't remember there's like other stuff like little things that I would go through with the E46, but like most of the stuff is I'm telling you, people are probably gonna hit me up and be like, "You're full of shit," and you don't know what you're talking about. But the M54 is the most reliable engine I've ever seen in a drift car. I bought this kid. I bought so this car 
that I had, I nicknamed her Heidi. She was a German, uh, we called her <laughs> Heidi. Heidi. You know, the German hooker. <laughs> she's been through so many hands and she still runs and you can't treat her nicely. You just gotta, you know, so we called her Heidi. And so the stance kid had it and he replaced the engine and like scraped the frames. It was all beat up from him just, you know, going over speed bumps. And then some other guy got it. it this guy, I know John pro, he got it. And like, when he went to go pick it up, the kid was like, Hey man, whatever you just promise, keep it a stance car. Don't turn it in a drift car. He's like, sure. sure. <laughs> and then like, I guess it had a hole in the engine pan and like he put six, he taped the oil pan up and then put six quarts in it. It started leaking. He just turned it on and did a rolling burnout into his trailer, turned it off, got home, fixed the oil pan. He drove it for a while. I mean, just red line drift events. He sold it to this other kid who was an idiot who, when I went to go pick it up, he was like, you can't have those wheels. I want those wheels. I'm like, and I, you know, one of those things like, Hey, do you have the title? Yeah, I got it. And show up, doesn't know where it is. Um, and then I go to take the wheels off or the kid goes to take the wheels off, strips the wheel lug nuts. So I'm spending three hours extra of my time to go cut off the lug nuts of the front wheels. Just, it was a crazy experience, but you know, made it worth it at the end. Like great story. Um, and then I drove it forever and like went to countless drift events. This kid before me drove it countless drift. The kid before him countless drift events. Now my friend has it who works for Drift HQ, uh, Magic Man HQ. He has it and he's gone to multiple drift events and the engine's still running. Like, I mean, and the only thing we've ever done to it that I've done, to it, I did I did the majority of the work, but I did an M50 swap, which I I highly suggest. I but no internal stuff, just oil changes. Things runs. It's like as long as you, the thing about BMWs is like they'll continue to run if you just keep doing the maintenance. You just stay on it. Yeah, their only yeah. downfall is that fucking cooling system. And then once you get it hot and you pop the head gasket, it just seems to be like. It's well, like, how did you did you have problems with the cooling? Because I didn't actually. Really I didn't have a. When I, I bought my car for like six hundred bucks, and I had a blown motor in it, and mm-hmm. uh, I had just wrecked my cat. I had a Cadillac before these ones. Right. Um, I wrecked that, and that's what sparked the E forty six build. So I did like a full pro end build, and um, right. so you didn't like, have the like M- you spoke about earlier not to do. Don't do that. Um, so you had the M fifty. You didn't have the M fifty four in your E forty six. No, it had the. Uh, what is it called? It's that the. M fifty two TU. It had something to do with like some type of um smog thing, like to help make it less I can't remember what the hell it's called. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, I know it was a three twenty five. I do know that. Um, so it was a so it was a two point five liter. Yes, but it had What year what year was it though? I wanna say O three. Then it had to have an M fifty four in it, it was stock. Or M fifty, N fifty. I can't remember what it's. It's it was one of them, but it had something where it had to do with the N fifty six. Maybe I'd have to see it. Um. Anyways, that's what it came with, and it was it had a blown head gasket in it. In it and then this is actually how I ended up meeting one of my friends in drifting. Now, it might have been, a, might have been an N fifty six. 
Um, which is kind of this it's kind of the same as an M54. It has something to do with like four. Um, yeah, so the M56 is produced between 2002 and 2006. And it was an M56B 2.5, so a 2.5 liter. And the the comparable model equipped with the M54B 25 US only though. And the M56 models listed were were sold in California, New York, Massachusetts in 2003. That's in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. And these were certified as partially zero emissions vehicles. That was it. So that's yeah. the one. Actually, that engine is still sitting at my buddy's house. I think that I, I think the um, the block and the crank and everything is all the same. Maybe I would I assume know. so. I would assume it's just more of like an emissions thing. So it's probably going to be like intake, like head work and intake and manifold shutup. You know those those those. Um, if I'm correct, I the uh, valve covers are desirable on those they're they're aluminum yeah so a lot of people do m54 to m50 or m56 to m54 swaps for the valve covers to um and then Corey misco if you if you send one to him he'll actually grind off the uh the fill port smooth it out and then you you know that weird diaphragm mm-hmm. he'll he'll cut that off well to uh, uh the oil port there so it doesn't look so weird oh nice yeah, so it actually looks a lot cooler if you look at his stuff, and then you can get it powder coated, whatever color, like wrinkle. Or... I'm a big fan of the M54 engines. I don't know if you know, you can tell, but no, not at all. You didn't give off <laughs> that vibe. Uh... Yeah, BMWs, BMW. I mean, if you're gonna turbo anything, go M52, M- M50. Uh, technically, all the blocks are almost the same. What is yeah. what is the reason to go to M52? Is it like some? So the m52 and the m50s are iron blocks mm-hmm. and the m54 is well if we got because the m52 tu which is a color technical update uh, the germans would say mm-hmm. uh, is a aluminum block so m52 iron block so the m52 iron block and the m50 iron block and the m54 is a aluminum block so iron blocks are just they're just a lot easier to hold power and turbo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of guys, Chelsea Denopa was on an M50 or M52 in Pro Spec or Pro Two or Pro when he had a BMW in. Yeah, but didn't he blow up like six of them that year? His last yeah. like in 2016. Trying to, he's trying to get like 800 horsepower out of one of those engines, but like I don't know, you know. And he, you gotta understand, like you're. FD, you're pushing them to the limit. You know, it's a lot. It's it's hard to get that much horsepower reliably out of one of those engines. Like, there's there's some there's some um, stuff since then that people have learned about them and getting more reliable. Like putting a dampener on it, like a, a ATI super dampener. Because the problem is, is the way those engines are built and the M54. That was the biggest problem with them is the chain slap. On the oil chain, if you add, you can add a tensioner, and it'll help that. But then also, if you go over seven thousand RPM, like if you change your RPM limit, yeah, uh, your rev limit, if you go above that, the 
oil pump nut will back off. Oh shit. And then you'll lose oil pressure. You'll kill the rod bearings. But then also if you go over 7,000, even if you fix that at, I think it's 74, there's a harmonic resonance in the crank and it'll start to wobble. And if you stay there for long enough, like revving, you will snap the crank in, in half because they have a, a resonance frequency. That's a problem, which you can counteract with a ATI super dampener. Now, is this like on stock parts or is this like on aftermarket like? Stock stuff. This okay. is stock. So like, but there's not many like, and then aftermarket stuff is super expensive for BMW, like VAC Motorsports. There's, it's very limited because not many people, like the guys that, the guys that are, are doing stuff to build these engines or stuff, they're in the road racing realm, like club racing and yeah. stuff like that. Cranks and back and like stuff like that. Like versus Jay-Z, there's so many people making parts for Jay-Z is why it's a little bit cheaper. But getting a Jay-Z. Yeah, I want to try to build like once I get this Jay-Z built and really go through the stuff with that, since it's a better known engine. And then it's a, so it's a lot easier to source like information from in order to learn about building it. Yeah, it's very cookie cutter, so you can pretty much get anything. It's like the LS. Yeah, you can. I can hit up anybody and be like, "Hey, what have you done with this?" And yeah, that. even so I want to do that. Go through the you know the motions of building an engine that way, yeah. and then I'm gonna in the future I want to really like try to push the BMW engine into a different realm, kind of like see how much I can get out of it, like an NA, and then how much I can get out of a, a turbo. Which the uh, the seems legit guys have done like they 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 make a lot of parts based off the M fifty four so I've like Mike Dodge and those guys they really know what they're doing with those engines. Yeah, I think they they have a Time Attack E forty six. I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. I'm just a big BMW fan. So. What's your uh, what's your dream BMW car? Probably the one I own right now. Uh, I mean, you said you have the E forty six M three, right? We'll yeah, it's my traded. It's a this uh, carbon black metallic. Is my okay. color. It looks black, but it's, it's dark blue. Slightly, yeah, I know exactly. It's dark blue. I love dark blue. Like the only other, the only other thing that I would want in that car is a cinnamon interior. But like people want like six thousand, like to three thousand dollars just to swap out the interior on a car. Jesus like, Christ. What about, um, is that an SMG or you have the six speed? It was an SMG swap, which is like it's, it's the same. It's the same car. Like the transmission's even the same. It is a four, the four twenty G Gitreg six speed, but um, it doesn't have the detent springs in it, which you have to do, or you can just not, or just get a self centering shifter and you can fix that. Oh, so, but I wouldn't suggest it if you do get a self centering shifter, which is what's in my car, and I don't like it. Um, if you drive it hard, if you drive it like a daily driver or whatever, you can get by. But if you drive it hard, um, what happens with this self-centering shifter, the chassis mounted. And if you don't have stiff motor mounts and transmission mounts, the engines will twist as you rev them. And it will not align with where you're trying to shift in and it'll, it'll oh, make shit. it shift okay. in. Yeah, that's not good. So... If you ever use a sh- chassis mount, you should get like poly mounts or Delrin or aluminum, but that makes your car louder because all that vibration gets transferred into the chassis. It's a lot. Yeah. So all you can, or you can just, if you buy a, a, a um, 
swapped car, just before you buy it, just ask them, hey, did you do the bell housing swap and put the detent springs in? Because then you can just be like, all right, I'll put a stock shifter in it. And from my friend has one. He says like the stock shifter is like, honestly, like, there's no need to change it. It's really good from the factory. Yeah. I used to have an E30 and I remember uh, the yeah. Z4 or the Z3 is the shifter to put in it for the. Yeah, that was like they, the they did short shorter. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. it's a funny thing about those those BMWs is like they're Legos. Like a lot of them, like the Z3 was a um, E36 or I think front end don't quote me on that or e46 front end the rear end was out of an e30 you know these the resources what they have like, well, that makes sense yeah but and now, like if you, if you look at the 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 blocks like there's spacing on e, the block and it literally is based on what car it was in so it could be moved forward or backwards so like the engine could fit in anything yeah like uh gm does that like the rear end that's in my cadillac also came in like the SRX, which is like the SUV version, but it also yeah. came in like the Pontiac Solstice and the Saturn Skies. Right. So when I do like replacements, I source those if I can't find one, a direct. Yeah, it's funny. And then it's funny that like sometimes they hide that. Yeah. And then they'll upcharge you because it's for this car. Yeah, they are dicks about it. <laughs> I forgot what it was. I think it was the BMW M1. It was some part on that because it was on the M1, they would charge you $800. Depending right? on your VIN number, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it was like, I think it was like just some part from BMW. Like the M1s that were like the supercar they built back yeah. in the, the 90s, the 70s, early, somewhere in the 80s. I don't, I don't know. Um, can't remember. But it had a part number that was shared with a regular BMW. And if you just put that part number in, it'd be $70. I think it was the distribute the distributor cap or something like that. But yeah. So if you said, Oh yeah, I have an M1, it's eight hundred dollars, but you'd be like, I have this E30 chassis, and they're like, Yeah, no, it's like 70 bucks. It's funny. Dude. But I say like another so another dream car BMW is like the the CSL, like the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. You know what that you know what that one is? The Batmobile. They call it, it's like, that's the nickname. Yeah, just look up CSL Batmobile. CSL Batmobile. Yeah. It's a a E9. It's like a very iconic looking car. Like anybody that's like, they might not know what I'm talking about, but they've seen it. They're like, oh, I've seen that car. Especially like the CSL version, which is like white. With the blue, dark blue. Yes. Like oh, dark. shit. I know exactly what you're talking about now. See? Yeah, that like, thing is nuts. I like the black yeah. one. Yeah, the iconic one is the... Um, is the white one. It's crazy, right? If I right? ever went back to, like, so you do another import again, it would more than likely be a BMW. It would never be a Japanese car unless it's... BMW like, can take over. Even though my friend Joel wants to say the E36 is the superior chassis, but you know we all know that the E46 is really. But you know the thing about E46 drivers is we just let the we just let the car do its talking. <laughs> I've I've heard that too, but I've never driven an E36 to like say I know the difference between the two. But um, a few, quite a few friends of mine have. Uh, all I'll just say is okay. How many E36s have won the FD championship? 
Oh, uh, zero. How many E46s have won the well, FD shit. Championship? Uh, Brewitsky just got two back-to-back on the in well, four, that's, two, pro Yeah, spec. that's pro-spec. Well, it's still like, like a formula drift. Uh, shit, Mike Adia's got pro, it in uh, pro, pro No, Pro-1. Pro pro but one. even Pro-1, it's, what is it, two or one? I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's two. I know Mike uh, Mike It's Mike Essa. Michael Essa. He only got it once. 2013. Was there but it's, it's one is better is more than zero. That's true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, I, like I don't care. I've like uh, my friend has an E36, but I think it's funny that people are like this is superior chassis. People used to say I mean, that about the 240 as well. And then I remember like this is pre uh, James The E36 D. is really good. The funny thing is is. <laughs> As much as I'll just, I like to mess with my friends that have E36s. I love the E36. And the funny thing is, is like if anybody out there has an SLR and runs an E46, you know what knuckles you put on your car to make it feel better. And that's an E36 knuckle. Oh, yeah, because of the way the mounts and everything. Because the. Uh, the, Literally, when Sean from SLR was making the kit, he has an E36, so he based all the geometry off the E36 knuckle. The trail is better on the E36 knuckle than it is on the E46, so it's different. Hmm. So if you literally, if anybody out there has an SLR kit with an E46 and you don't have like the adequate self-steer and feel that you have feel, change to E36 knuckles and it'll automatically feel amazing. Like just automatically. Because it's literally just based off the fact that it was designed around an E36. I had um, just like the drift knuckles kit, so it was pretty much just a uh, modded knuckle, modded knuckle, and a lower yeah. and extended E thirty six arm. Well, that's I think Colin, the guy with the barn built, he he had modded knuckles forever too. Mm-hmm. Like modded knuckles is like I think even the animal style guys like they're on modded knuckles. Yeah, I believe so. so. I believe they're all like <laughs> you can get it, alone. it works. Yeah, and that's that Japanese simple stuff. Why do I need to spend a thousand dollars on angle kits and whatever? I mean, angle kits are cool. Seventy degrees of lock is. I got sick. I got cut knuckles now, but um, I'm not saying that it's a limiting factor because I don't think it is. But I think mm-hmm. there's there's a lot more to offer when you get a fully adjustable kit. I think um, your yeah. limiting factor is the fact that you just picked a chassis that nobody has parts for. Yeah, there's that too. Um, there's <laughs> that too. But I think that goes with anything. You, you, just, you just automatically made your life harder. I did. Just, I did. But uh, honestly, like, I wanted to be like, like I think the only other person I know that drives a Cadillac is is, is Taylor Hole. Fucking Taylor Hole. No, uh, there's a. <laughs> I know that from what I know is that there's another Cadillac kit being made. Um, for the Josiah will make you one. They'll make you. Oh, anything. I know. He's he's That's making this one. Yeah, the thing about like Josiah is, if you call him back and you're smart enough to be like, I need a little bit more trail, he'll be like, he'll just hit the keyboard and be like, Yep, all right, here. It's on the way. So, no, it's on the so, like he will change whatever you want. Yeah, I actually um have a pretty good relationship with Josiah. I make some parts for the Cadillac, some control arms. And some oh yeah, you told, you told me that. I forgot. Yeah, I use, I utilize some of the parts that he already makes for his kits. Yeah. Um, to make my stuff, and uh, so we already kind of have that relationship there. But that's kind of how it's kind of fruition to like, hey, I want to send you my my stock stuff. Can you uh, make something happen with it? Yeah, he'll do that right now. 
He's, if he's not busy, he'll be in Florida next week, I think. Oh, no, it's not a rush thing. I still got uh, knuckles that work just fine. Yeah. Um, what is it? What's the downfall, like the Achilles heel and the, the whole Cadillac setup? Uh, right now, it's come down to um, a front. It's mostly a front issue. So what I'm doing is I either have to raise the if I raise the car, since I don't have any camber adjustment, I lose my camber. The lower my car is, the more camber I can get out of it. Just the way the thing is set up. Um, uh, but with it being low, which isn't so much an issue, um, it's going uh, to be an issue where the um, the the tire is hitting the top of the shock tower. Uh-huh. when it's compressing and that's sending me to constantly sending me into spins because the car you, will go from you having coil, you coilovers yeah yeah so did you, did you set up your coilovers correctly in the midst of that now so basically what we were doing to, to <laughs> and a lot of people are out there with like yeah. on coilovers with incorrectly coil like so set what up we're doing coil- to is add uh going up a spring going up a couple spring rakes in the front to uh-huh. kind of help with the compression of it and then, you know, tuning it a little bit better and then just kind of fine-tuning it from there. That's what I can do for now. Um, you can literally just, if you just, most people are trying to, like, it depends on, I mean, I'm not saying that you're not, but just anybody out there listening is, like, you don't set your ride height based off of where your spring is on the perch. You use the bottom mount to set your, or you set your ride height based off of your spring in the front and you set your compression and where the wheel hits based off the lower perch on the co- on the uh, coilover. So what you're supposed to do in order, the correct way to set up a, a coilover is you take the coilover off, you take the spring off, you put it back in the mount, and then you jack up the wheel until it, clears like until it like hits the well you take the wheel off you make sure it doesn't hit the bump stop and whatever and then if it hits the bump stop too soon then you just you lower it down and then you put the wheel back on or in the, if it doesn't hit the frame or whatever you put the wheel back on if it doesn't and then you wait till it hits the uh you jack it up again if it hits the fender or anything you can move it down even further right and so that is where it's your your bump stop hits right where it, it should st- it should hit the bump stop before your wheel hits the yeah, fin. I know what you're saying. Right? And so then you, what you do is then after you do, you set that lower perch, you put the spring back on, and then you set your ride height based on that, and that is where your coilover should be set. So we actually ended up having to go with bump stops in there as well. Yeah. Additional bump stops to make sure it doesn't go past a certain point, um, which is, it's a, it's for sure a Band-Aid. Right as opposed to a solution. Um, you probably get away with like longer, a longer stroke um, coilover, right? So you have more stroke instead of having to do a short, I don't know. Ask Chelsea to know if he would know. Yeah, I know. He's a, he's really good at setups too. Uh, I just don't like to bug people too much. So I usually like, I'll, I don't. I'll figure it out. I don't. <laughs> I bug people way too much. And then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you get my message in the chat? I didn't on, the, on no, it's on Zoom. No, it's on the bottom. It should say chat. Um. 
Um, yeah, I can kind of, but not really. Like I was told just to kind of keep it as me as who I am. I could like mention like I did, but like just keep it like as media that works stuff. Too. Believe it. But like yeah, yeah, no. What we're talking about is pretty much like my role in Tire Streets and what I do there, which is just I am the events and sponsorship associate for Tire Streets, which carries a seller, which everybody should love. It's a great budget tire and it's got a not a grip for what it is. It's it's like a great all around tire. That's all I can say. And like uh, the funny thing is, is when I first announced the position, everybody was like, oh, everybody's going to hit you up for tires and everything. And then I just realized that all my friends that are around me already were on the sellers. So it wasn't really a big deal in that respect. But now, like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where this position goes. And like, like I said, if you guys send your resumes and stuff to the seller, I'm the one who's the proposals to the seller. I'm the one who's like going through them now. You're the responsible party now. To make them like, you already heard my things about, about photography stuff. So make them presentable. Make them count. I will not read long proposals, short and sweet. See, it's so weird because I've had people on who are like, oh, I want to know everything about you. But I've also made that same, the same comment. You mean companies? Like, it depends on companies? who you're talking to. Companies? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I I think they want to know everything about, but like, it's like an introduction. It's like a Tinder profile, right? Like, you don't learn everything about them right away. You just see their photos and then you get like a brief description and you learn about them. Correct. And then it's right? also so like make intrigue me like you send me something if it's got 16 photos and a links to videos and stuff like that something i can look at and then like a brief brief a brief description i'm not like don't send me a novel to read it's just that that's my preference i'm just saying like i like what car you have pictures of your car what's in it you know um what you plan on doing for 2022 and or like the season that you're going into Another note, anybody who's sending out proposals, usually people start figuring out what they're going to do at at the last part of the year, like December, November, December. So if you're going to send out proposals. Yeah, because that's when we get like our schedules and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's just when we're like, nobody's doing business in that time. And we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for the next year. Yeah. Right. We're, We're going into, we're trying to go into January running so we can get ready for February, March, April, May is when the season starts. So. I'm not like I don't want to talk too much about tire streets just because I don't want to make it about that. No. But um I definitely like just as somebody, anybody out there that's trying to send in proposals to people, like be professional. You're, you're talking to a business and like that whole like, hey man, sponsor me, or like sending an email and just like the best thing to go about it is hey, um, send the message in and be like, Hey, uh, what's the best way to send you my, my email proposal or my, my proposal, right? That's the, just the best way to start. Cause then you, you'll, then you'll get the right channel, right? You'll like, cause if you're asking the wrong person already, then it's just going to get lost. Yeah. So if like, you know, you're texting the sales guy on Spotify or Shopify or Instagram. Or like, uh, Shopify, but like I get you, but you know the media guy that is in control of the the 
Instagram might not be the person that you talk to for sponsorships. Correct. So just ask what's the best route to go to get your proposal to somebody. And then once you get your proposal to somebody, just make sure it's not just, hey, I'm doing this. I have 800 followers. Can I get free stuff? Never ask for free. Most people don't get free. Correct. Right? Most people get a discount and like help. And then the very few people, and you're talking like the Chelsea Denofas, Adam LZs, Vaughn Gittin Juniors. It's funny how it works, but that's just business is the more people, it's like the more money you make, the more people you know, and more money you have, the more stuff you get for free. It's yeah. weird. It's stupid. We were talking about the other day, but it's like, because it's a business, like how, why would I give you stuff when there's 800 there's 30,000 of you out there. Like I, I get, I've seen proposals today with people who are like, Hey, I have a stock Z and I'm doing this. I'm like, you sound like everybody else. Like, why, why would I give you something? And I, I don't mean this come off as like callous. It's just kind of reality of like, if people are, are smart enough to listen to what I'm saying is like, if you're like everyone else, what makes you different? Why would I give you something when you're just like everybody else? Yeah, right? where, you got you standing out. Yeah, you got to set yourself apart from the crowd and like just have some reflection and either just be smart enough to know that maybe having only 900 followers <laughs> isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah. But who knows? But who knows? Say like say you can hustle and you can get like group buys together for like Exidi or whatever and like you're like you're like call the guy and you're like hey i have like 20 people that want to buy like your clutch or your shifter or whatever can you give me a discount and so a lot of companies would be like sure if you're gonna buy that much in bulk or whatever and then that would get your name out there more than ever because like the end goal to a lot of these companies for parts <laughs> your dog in the background yeah yep it's uh, <laughs> funny sorry in goal for a lot of these companies it's just it's it's to sell parts yeah, and then uh, that's that's like one of the things we talk about too is like you can have like a better business plan and than somebody let's say with a lot of followers. Yeah, you can still get a good deal. Like, you can still deal. you can get far. It's just yeah, you're not going to get anywhere by just being like, hey, sponsor me. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, sponsor me. Hey, I have this. Hey, I have that. A lot of companies just want to know what you're going to do for them. Yeah, going I, to events I, I, I'm not speaking for tire streets because tire streets is different. I'll we'll say that. And like that we do want to build relationships with the people that we sponsor. Like we want partnerships. We don't, yeah. we want to, we want to have people in our team that we can grow with. Like that's, that's like our main goal, but just from being in the industry and knowing like other people and knowing other people in the industry and like what they like, Oh, can you believe this? Can you hear this? Like this, can you, this kid said this, or it's like, you, you do have to set yourself apart because yeah. there's a lot, you know, everybody's stuck. People with cut knuckles and stock Z's are a dime a dozen, you know? Yeah. You're not really doing anything amazing there when you yeah. do stuff like that. And then, you know, unless you're like a, at a, gra at a grassroots event, like you shouldn't even be thinking about getting 
sponsored pro-am like pro-am is you know the best thing to do and i think a lot of people forget is approach local businesses like local businesses like a sub shop or something and just 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 go shop yourself around just like you got to think of yourself as like a small business you know like somebody in a small business is more likely to be like like if you tell them that like you're going to be at the, the local events around your area and you're like and you go to like a sub shop and you're like, you know, you can't put like in my town, like Rinaldi's deli on the side of your car. Like where people go, like some guys would be like, you know, here's like 400 bucks for that. You know, it might not be some, not be, might not be a lot, but it's, it's better than zero. But it could potentially cover your, you know, portion yeah, of your could, day. That's just that's, fuel. Yeah. Entry that's, fee. The, that's entry fees for like three events. Right. And like you put your name on their car, like you stickers, like have them pay for the stickers and stuff. But like, you know, like if you look at some of like the local road racers, that's what they do. They go to like local, like their insurance agents or all state, like local insurance agencies or people that are like, you got to find people that like are into racing, you know, but you ask a hundred people, you get two answers. That's two people that want to sponsor you. Yeah, but then right? there's also there there's also this fine line of like you have to know when to say no to, because if someone's yeah. like, if it's not a good deal, and you're, it you, like I know how much it costs me to go racing, and if someone's right. like, oh I can only, you know, give you a hundred bucks, but I want a big ass door sticker, like yeah, you know like you mean? gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you gotta be smart about it because you yeah. can't give out a hundred dollars is. You know, that's another thing that you realize is like when a lot of like professional F1 or not for F1 FD drivers send you stuff and like you figure out what the real estate on the side of their car costs and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's an eye opener for like, that's a lot of things that like, that's another thing that people don't talk about too. It's like they kind of try to keep it secret because people it's a cutthroat business. You know, people are trying to get the most money out of everybody in order to get uh, a better deal for themselves. But if you're at the top, usually everybody knows what it costs to get uh, that, that spot on a car, you know, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus because I know some of the numbers, but, but you also get people who will short. It's a lot. It's a lot more than you think. It's a lot more than you think, but it's also people who are like short sell, short sell themselves and kind of like, they'll take it as like, oh, I got, you know, certain expenses paid for this. So it helped me. So I'll put it, you're my title sponsor. Yeah. A lot of it is, it is like, is the monetary value of the discount, right? I'm going to, I would have spent X over the season. You're going to give me say 50% off, mm-hmm. right? How much is that for what I was going to spend? And where can I put that in terms of, I'll put your sticker here. That's like, that's, realistically what a lot of these sponsorships are mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people see sponsorships stickers on their car and they get this unrealistic goal because they play grand turismo and they think that oh i get money when i get a sponsor or forza you know what i mean yeah so a lot of it is just is you get a sticker for like a deep discount and like only until you get to like some of the top guys are they getting free shit and and then even the top guys started out with the discounts 
that's another thing too. Like everybody starts because you know, not every, if every company gave you free stuff, then they would go broke. No, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. It's like a lot of people don't realize that too. It's like, oh, I shouldn't yeah. have to. Like I've seen pro-am guys do it. They're like, oh, I want free. And they're like, hang on, the chief. Here's another thing. Here's a little insight is if you are smart enough in marketing, YouTube videos, Instagram, whatever, and you can come up with an idea that you're like, I can make a viral video or whatever. I'll put this much level into production and make something. And like, if I did this and did an outline and got some people together and did something crazy that would go viral, you could approach companies with that and get free stuff more likely than you could by being like, Hey, will you sponsor me for this series? Right. People approach companies and go, Hey, um, I'm doing the 2022 season of East 10, right. Or Lone Star or whatever. Like just, let's just say the gambler, right. I'm doing the whole 2022 season of the gambler. Uh, I'd like you to sponsor me and whatever. How would that work? Most of the time you come back with like, Hey, a discount. But if you're like, Hey, I'm doing the gambler. And then I have this project going on and we're doing like, I'm going to, we're doing a video project that I'm going to have people follow me around and I have a commitment from a production company, or we've already done the outline. Here's the outline. I'm going to go to Pike's peak during the off season, or I'm going to, do this during the off season. Like, could you, could you supply me if I buy the tires for the season, would you give me free tires to do this other project? A lot of the times, if it's a well thought out project and you have backing for it already, those companies are more likely to work with you because they know if you have a commitment for the, the season, they could give you some free stuff to do this like extra project on the side because they can see, the value in it, right? Like yeah. it just every brand has to see themselves in what you're doing. So you can, and then that's the other thing is like you can't oversell yourself to a lot of like to everybody. You know, I'll name it. I'll name it the Exceedy. You know, clutch kickers, blah, blah, whatever event brought to you by that. Like if you have too many names on it, so you just kind of have to approach a couple brands. Yeah, that make sense for what you're doing and that are market aligned and brand aligned with what you're doing. But sometimes like if you got a bigger name and like, you can go like, Hey, can would this fit into like an advertising budget for you instead of like your sponsorship budget? Like, cause those sometimes might not be the same thing. Right. And like, if you could, that's something if, no one's ever talked about here before is that those are two different budgets. Yeah. You just mentioned. Yeah. I didn't even think about that before. And that's not, I'm not saying I'm coming from a tire streets. No, I'm, I'm, we're that, talking about in general, from, like any that's coming from like just a business point of yeah, view. Like, no, no, I get what you're saying. And like you have a sales budget, you have a marketing budget, you have an events budget, like companies break down their companies and budgets. You have an advertising budget and that's where they're spent. And so like the sponsorship budget might be under here and I have 30 people in here, but nobody's talked to me about what I'm going to do for ad campaigns this year. Yeah. Right. So if you can like come up with an ad and give them an idea and like try to work with them, they may be like, you know, we'll give you some budget to go do this ad. If it's already maybe like, Hey, I got this photographer friend of mine, this videographer that, you know, here's his reels. Here's his deck. We have this storyboard shot out. We have this and we'll get like, they want ads. The companies want ads. 
company want YouTube videos. They want viral stuff. They want reels. They want things. And like, if you can give them to that where they can like not have to think about it, they're more likely, the less, the easier you can make things on a company, the more likely that you can get something from them because they're going to have to pay that to somebody anyway. So why not just, hey, this guy's already done the work. We'll just pay it to you and we'll just yep. expense on the marketing budget or the advertising. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, even they, like- they, have, they have to pay someone to do work. They could pay you or they could pay somebody else. And I'm not like, in, but this goes back to the ask 100 companies, you get two answers. That's two sponsors. But be smart about who you ask, figure out how they align with your brand. And just be smarter and be more business minded about what you're doing. And I think a lot of people will get more yes answers, right? They'll get more answers that they want to hear versus the no's, you know, but you got to, you know, get told no a lot of times before you get one yes, you know, it's just basics. Yeah. You also have to do it wrong quite a few times to realize what you're doing wrong and be like, oh, yeah, you know, know, this this approach isn't working. Let me try something else. Yeah, a lot of these people are that are into drifting and they just have this inflated view of what it is and they just like they're 19, 20 and they're just like, oh, I asked for sponsors because it's so easily, people are so easily accessible nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, back to what, just what I said when I st- we started this podcast was, you know, when I first started, like information was not as readily available about like, drifting and knuckles and suspension and all like you had to really search that information out like in forums and books and like i have 50 or 60 like books that aren't even drifting related to talk about suspension and driving and stuff like that now you can go to chelsea nope's channel adam lz's channel and they you can search you can find somebody just like that, it'll tell you everything you need to know about suspension. Yeah. But with that, also, but with that also comes the other part because with that, uh, there's also fifty out there, fifty people out there telling you that you're something wrong. But yeah. you just got to be careful there's about who. Too. Yeah. And but not realizing that not everybody's setup is the same. Yeah, that's another thing. Is like all setups are different, all cars are different. Like, and I think that's what the the Japanese do well and, and Aaron Losey said was saying this and Rad Dan were talking about this in a video it's like you want to talk to somebody who's like a specialty like I like the only thing I really like talking about and dealing with is BMWs I noticed like I don't yeah like I don't know anything about 240s at all yeah I don't know a damn thing about a 240 SX all I know is it, it has an engine in it that likes to blow up and um, the SR and then the KA, but I don't, I honestly don't know much about them. I'm in the same and, boat. Yeah. I don't know. Like I know that they're a pain com- comparatively to what I, like what I deal with, with the re- rack le- relocation and the knuckles, but people love them. I get it. I get the whole, process and the cool thing is jdm i'm just more german that's just kind of like more i don't know my dad had a bmw when i was in high school and i get to drive it and that's kind of what started my love for bmws so but like people like 240s people like rx7s 
but I say like just listen to somebody that specializes in that field realistically like in your local meet like that knows about it like you're like I bet you if like I have a question I want to do a Cadillac build I'm definitely going to come to you or Taylor Hall uh, some people do uh, a lot of people will come to me and ask me about a car that's not the same like right. it's the same right I'm like no they're two completely different chassis yeah. I can point you in the right direction like just yeah. I and S14 yeah he knows his car yeah, that's what? about it. Um, I, like, it's like, like you want to know about Supras? Go talk to Rad Dam. All exactly. Yep. Right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you just find somebody in that field. Like, I'm not saying that I know a lot about BMWs, but if I needed to ask somebody, you know who I go to? Michael Essa. The guy knows probably a lot about, like, he's the one who built Dimitri's winning I think it's his old chassis, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was his yeah. old car, but he built it, and he's the one who maintains yeah. it. And then who else? Dimitri, oh, Dimitri's a good driver. Obviously, Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's avid BMW guy. Oh yeah, he's the reason why E36s cost so much. <laughs> Single-handedly, <Right>? literally, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah, he increased the price in the Pacific Northwest of BMWs like single-handedly. What a dick! But <laughs> he's not wrong. It's good chassis. BMW is a good chassis. Like. Yeah, I, I, well, there's flaws in every chassis. Like I'd say, like 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 you said, the Achilles heel and yours is like that. The E36, I don't know. It really is kind of. I guess if you want to talk about superiority, I guess there's that. There's not really many flaws in that. What chassis. is it like the chassis tying on the back where it cracks at the rear subframe? I think that's probably like the only downfall to that whole setup. Was that an E36 problem? I know that Colin tied his in, which is kind of crazy. Because FD won't let you allow you to tie it into the subframe with correct, the, and they they now made like a special rule where you can run like a certain bar for it. I can't remember who makes it. PBM, yeah. Well, that was for the E forty six. I don't know. Like, see, that's what I mean. I don't even know E thirty six that well. I just know E forty six. Honestly, like, I think it's for both chassis, uh, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm usually pretty up to date on the rule book stuff, but. Subframe on the E46 is a problem. Like that's a known problem. If anybody out there is drifting an E46 and you haven't checked your subframe, you, it's probably cracked. Mm-hmm. Like that is the first before, even if you daily it. You <laughs> yeah, daily, and then think like drifting it. If even if you just want to put some horsepower in it and drive it in a straight line, check your subframe and put the reinforcement in and put poly bushings in. Because what happens is is the way that the subframe mounts to the chassis is there's a real long spindle bolt. And with the rubber mounts, it's like grabbing, like you can grab the uh, thing and just twist it out like it's a beer can. Mm-hmm. But if you actually put in like Sean from SLR explained it, he's like, if you put in a solid mount, it would stop that. It'll kind of keep it more rigid instead of letting it like Move twist. around so much. So it, even if you didn't do the reinforcements, but if you're going to do the bushings, you have to take the bushing, the subframe out to do the bushings. So. so you may as well do the reinforcements. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, welding I mean, in. To be fair, not everyone has a welder either. And then welding on your back is kind of a bitch. And I mean, it's just anybody with a shop, you know. So I, you got you find a friend. I I think a lot of us a friend with a shop and like. A, a six pack will always uh, 
get you a long way. You know, making friends is always helpful. This is true too. And like anything, it's just like you got to be sociable at a track. Like if you see somebody with the E46, just ask them where they got their subframe reinforcements done. And then if they say they didn't do it yet, then you guys group together and you go to a shop and be like, hey, we all need this done. Can you give us a group break? Strength in numbers. Like, yeah. That's anything that take people take from this podcast. Sponsorships, anything else. Strength in numbers. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, the uh, E46. What's your favorite chassis besides the um, Cadillac? Uh, I'm into old hot rods. So if we're going to go with drifting chassis, I'd probably go to like a Corvette or something. But I grew up I grew up around uh, Drag like race. 60s and 70s. Like I had a 1971 Chevy Chevelle. That was my first My car. dad just finished a 69 that he sold to his fucking snap-on guy. And went and bought a 64 GTO. I miss that car. See, see, I bought that car instead of a drift car, and like, but I always wanted a drift car. And this was back when like two forties were fifteen hundred bucks. I would really like to have both, um, but yeah. like my ultimate dream car is is a lot of them. But right now at the top of the list is like a '66 Chevelle. Um, slant back. That kind of looks like the the E nine. It's got that slant look to it. Bit, like the yeah, back. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can see how you can. Yeah, it's a bit. Um, there's that, and then uh, you know, as far as like a drift car, it'd probably be like a C6. I, I definitely could not go back <laughs> to. I wouldn't do a Japanese car of any kind. I don't care for them at all. Um, it's getting so expensive. I honestly, I'm not even a like I'm not a Ford guy at all. But I'd probably go Ford before I went with a Japanese car. The Mustangs. I mean, just I makes a kit for the Mustang. FDF makes a kit. Yep, and. and like you look at what, so Kelsey Rawlings, mm-hmm. right? FD driver. Um, she's a friend of mine. She has had the same aluminum illuminator, what is that five liter engine with a supercharger on it in FD for the last three years with zero problems. Yep. So say what you, everybody say what you will about Ford, Chevy, whatever. It's like, yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a definitely beating up on. I think I can't like I'm like oh, I can't believe. I think what I think JCP blew his first motor in a long time this past season. Yeah, at Orlando. Yeah, that was a so big, that's, this I was there. About, this is about reliability. Yeah. This is about uh, that, my father will disown me if I buy one. Oh yeah, no, but we are all like Chevy guys. Oh, Corvette, cool. Like that's Josiah wants a Corvette so bad. Like that's all he could talk about at Clutch Kickers. He's like fawning over Dirk Stratton's Corvette. And I'm like, take it easy, buddy. Yeah, but and he like, has one, too. He's like, bro, the stock rear end, he's still got the stock rear end on his vet right now. He's got 285 Valinos on that thing. And like, or, no, he didn't have Valinos. He had the sellers on him. So, tire streets. He had the sellers on his car. And he had 285s on it, and he was running stock the stock rear end, and he was just gripped up and gone, while Josiah was ripping the subframe out of his S14 to try to kill. Oh, that's right. He literally ripped his subframe I out. I remember him mentioning. And I, I was I was a spotter at the time. Mm-hmm. Funny funny uh, mess up note, by the way, uh, is 
first time spotting. Uh, I forgot I could call five minutes. So like, I like, I'm standing by the judging tower. I got the thing on and I'm looking at the car. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Like something's wrong. And I just get just on the radio. I'm like, Hey, uh, how was that? He's like, well, it was a lot to handle. And I go, and I just didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And he just goes up to do another round. And then it was way more evident the, the second round at the, the second run. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, his wheel, his subframe is messed up in the back. And then we get back and, like, you know, they gave it to Dirk. And we get back and we look and he's like, oh, yeah, the tra- I think the traction on it or the camera or whatever. And the rear subframe was just completely ripped off the hinges oh, in the back. But the wheel was just moving back and forth in the wheel well. And he's like, oh, he's like, you know, you could have called five minutes. I was like, yeah, I could have. I messed up. It was You're my like, bad. Oh, yeah, that's part of this gig, huh? And I was like, oh, you know, first I was like, hey, first first time as a photographer going to spotter. I forgot. My bad. You know, <laughs> I felt bad, but he's like, yeah, it's whatever. It's like it, it was, that was a hard, even if his suffering was intact, that was a hard battle anyway. Yeah, exactly. But that subframe was messed up from FD, and there's a lot of stuff. So. That's but what now you mentioned. Yeah, you just put a new subframe in it. So, uh, isn't he like building a C6 for next year? That got hooked on the back, the back burner. Yeah, that happens. But um, I think 14 still works. I don't know what he's gonna do. I think he's gonna he wants to do DMCC. Uh-huh. Right up in Canada, uh-huh. and then he wants to do clutch kickers, and he's going to do um, other events down here, like LS Fest, Grid Life, maybe the Gambler and stuff. And I think he's found a rental car to use, like through someone. But I, then again, I don't know. Like everything's always up in the air with that, so he might just leave the car down here at Trift HQ or something, since they have a previous relationship with. Uh, FD and stuff, and they're not doing FD next year because surprise, surprise, Adams on RTR, which I'm ecstatic for. Like that's just the. I know Adam gets a lot of hate out there, and like I think it's misplaced because like people just you know people some people just get jealous of him, but I you know he he's worked super hard. Like doing a YouTube channel and like being able to see him up from the from from the backside of it without like you know and like not see what he does. It's like he works super hard. Yeah. He he's a one he's like he started off as like a one man production team. He's like literally running a TV show. And like that's that's what it is. Like that's what YouTube is. Is like people back in the day before YouTube existed, they would go to a, a production company like discovery channel or whatever and they'd be like i have this idea for a show i want to be a drifter and do all this stuff and you'd have to see if they would give you money that they could go and sell to the advertisers right so what youtube is is you literally just cut the production company out you film it yourself and you go and you and google goes to the advertisers and then pays you directly a percentage so you're literally just producing your own show so the better production shows, the more you produce, the more money you get from advertisers on Google. That's why you see a lot of these people like being very PC, not cussing and stuff, because that means that Google can 
go and advertise to a larger audience, meaning you get more money. That makes right? a lot of sense. And that's and then that's with everything. That's podcast, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. The more PC you are, meaning is the more audience they can sell you to, the more advertisers that you're marketable to, right? Because I don't whatever political leanings or thinking or religious or whatever you are people like spending money people spend money on products and if you alienate one side you just cut out half the market yep so if you were just switzerland you're neutral right in the middle you appeal you're more appealing to everybody and it's just and i think with the way the environment is nowadays is it's also nice because like this it's just you're so 24 seven news and stuff like that. It's also yeah. nice to like YouTube and go to drift events and not have to deal with all that stuff. And just like, just be able to just relax from it. So that is the nice aspect, but it's also from a, a company aspect that the less, the less uh, political you are, the less controversial you are, the more likely you'll get sponsors and more likely you'll get ad revenue. And, but yeah, so the thing with Adam LZ is, yeah, he's worked. Everybody gives him so much shit about like what he does, and he's just. I'm just so glad to see him because he's worked so hard to get where he is, and like, if anybody out there just wants to shit at the on the kid, that's just, that's just not, because everybody in the back of their head is like they wish they were him. Like that's the dream that they wish they could get to, right? Yeah. Like, start a YouTube channel, get so many, all the call like. Like, this is the thing. Like, when I was in high school or in middle school, I was writing down lists of cars I wish I could have. Like, this kid did it. Like, and then not only did he do that, he made YouTube channels about it, got tons of money, then got picked up by the best drifting, arguably one of the best drifting teams out there in the history history of drifting. I mean, I said arguable because you have Worthouse and um, and Papa. And then Papadakis and well that that was hard because of COVID. So it's no, 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 I'm just making a joke. But yeah, no, but Warhouse, you know, James, James Dean and, and exactly. But but still Adam, like who knows? Because next year with Adam and Chelsea, Chelsea's arguably one of the best drifters in FD, like in terms of style, he's probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So that'll help push Adam to a higher realm in terms of his driving. I remember when Adam first came to like pro was pro two at the time obviously um but like it even myself i was kind of i was like that's a shitty like why is he um, petitioning when he can clearly do a pro-am thing but like now looking back on it it does make more sense for him to just go into pro like he proved he can and should be there um there's guys who have earned their license who have not touched yeah um a top 16 battle or just barely even qualified if that yeah the what he did was what he had at the time and like you gotta understand like a lot of the team was like were his friends yeah right all like, most of the team was all his friend like the people from the people driving the rig to setting up to his manager to the people running the store to doing the meet and greets to doing all this stuff they were they were all his friends yep so like people that want to talk smack about the kid it's like he 
got to where he was and then gave all his friends jobs. Yeah. Right. And brought them along for the ride. Like all his friends work with him at the comp. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Say what you will, but you kind of got to respect the guy. No, 100%. I, I appreciate, I appreciate everything he does. And, and not only that for the sport too, like, cause he's really brought more to the sport and really has done a lot. And that's why I'm saying like, for Vaughn and for Adam both, like it, the RTR is a great deal because of like just the marketing potential between the both of them. Yeah. And I, then, yeah, that's probably the best part. And then I also think like with Adam, like it's I not a bad to think of him. Adam as a YouTuber. That's how I used to see Adam. I was like, Oh, he's just some fucking YouTuber. That was he's a straight up businessman, dude. Uh, he's a straight up businessman. He went, to, he went to UCF as a, I think he had a, he was a, Business major at UCF, I'm pretty sure. Oh, nice. No, but now yeah. I seem like I see Adam as a race car driver, not necessarily a YouTuber. I'm like, oh, Adam is a race car driver, and right. he YouTubes like he vlogs his stuff. Yeah, he's like he's like that's why I think Vaughn picked him up because I think Vaughn saw a lot of himself in in Adam. Yeah, is Vaughn Vaughn was a race car driver that is a, just you know was a business guy. He like. Vaughn is a really smart business person. You know, he's probably one of, if the most, if not the most successful uh, drifter in in the United States, in terms of like what he's accomplished in terms of um, like his shop side, like his deal with Ford and RTR and stuff like that. I mean, and I think Adam LZ is like right there, number two. I mean, the, the fact that like. You know, he's right there second. Like the amount he's accomplished was buying the compound and then now um partnering and buying out Drift HQ and like that whole business. And you know, he's a very smart kid. And he's you know, everybody forgets how young he is. He's super young. How old is he? He's like, I think he's like twenty four. No, no he's 25, way. 25, 26. Holy shit. I feel yeah. old now. I'm about to be thirty three. No, man, like that's awesome though like no but um but like yeah. a lot of my friends have felt the same way like they're like oh that's shitty adam he's this 26 was... he's 26 now oh, okay yeah um, but I mean, 26 though they, and they accomplish what he has at that age it's, you know you gotta commend him like i makes it sometimes make me feel worthless <laughs> it's like i'm 33 and i'm like you know but i don't feel worthless but it it, it makes me feel like i haven't done enough I didn't do enough in my twenties because look at this. Still the same, right? But you know, I'm doing what I can now. I mean, like I said, I did not not enjoy my twenties. Like I lived in Hawaii, I rode my motorcycle to Alaska, so I kind of like I I messed off during my twenties, and then now I'm kind of hustling during my thirties. So by the time I'm forty, I'll probably be where Adam is. That's that's how I feel too, dude. Yeah. Uh, which, which which island did you live on in Hawaii? In Maui. Oh, nice. I went there in uh, August. First. How'd you? Uh, what I? Uh, what'd you do over there? Uh, just went on my first real vacation of my adult life. Uh, really? Yeah. Hawaii just, is the first place. Oh, congrats. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, not not to me. I would have spent my money on racing and drifting. My right. girlfriend was like, "If you're gonna spend this much money." every year can i at least get one trip out of you and i was like this is fair where'd you stay uh right off of 
I don't know what it's called. I don't remember what the hotel is called. On a poly? Huh? On a poly? No, right on. Uh, was it in Lahaina? Nope, right in. Wait, did I say that? Was I wrong? I was probably wrong. I said in Honolulu. Oh, you're in Oahu. Did I just get the two islands back backwards? Mixed there's in? like there's uh well, there's a big island. There's What's a big it? island, Hawaii, which is, and then there's Maui, Lanai, Molokai, Koalave, Oahu, uh, and Kauai, and then uh, Niha. I think no, no. I know I was in Honolulu. Yeah, it's the last island called. But... I went to go see. Pearl any Harbor. Whole, if there's any Force Wang listeners out there, just don't. Uh, did pretty good. That's a, a call of mine. Yeah, let's um, go. Uh... Who's all oh, my dude? That you know who? Uh, you should get Keone on here. I competed with him. The clutch kickers guy. Yeah, he's uh he's out yeah. of Vegas. Yeah, he's. He's crazy. He's you know typical Hawaiian, but is he? I love him. He and I, I never really him. spoke. Uh, we pitted next to each other a couple of times, but nah, he's he's a great guy. Like I love him, but like it's funny. Like it was funny seeing him at Clutch Kickers. I was like, oh. it's like it reminds me I was back in Hawaii. I remember it, like his uh, when he was winning his license. They have like a big ass train horn on his pickup yeah. truck, and they kept fucking honking it in the middle of the while the announcers were trying to talk. That's funny. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. He's a great driver. He is. Yeah, he, is. They, he drives super hard. Yeah, he does. Las Vegas guys, it kind of surprised you. But, you know, I think that's all, like, bred out by, like, Forrest Wang, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Like, who's the, the – like, he, he, there's got there's got to be – there's, like, segments where you're, like, the main guys. Like, you got Aaron Losey down in Texas, right? Like, he's kind of – Breed that breeding ground for drivers out out of Texas. Yeah, you shared my baby the other day and didn't tag me. Right, and then Florida has got like you know the events down. There's so many good drivers out of Florida. Yes, and then I mean, uh, there's good drivers in every region, and then but like there's certain like pockets where you're like, wow, that's weird. Like Wisconsin, Missouri, like St. Louis, like you got Derek Madison. There's a whole bunch of guys out of like so certain cities. You got like, like New Jersey, right? You got, you got Reese out of like the Northeast. So I think Aaron, Reese is in yeah. Philly. And then you got Chelsea out of North, the North Pack West, and like a lot of guys coming out of Park and that area. Dude, if I could, I wish that was like the one of the drift weeks I wish I could have gone on. And time. like all the pros live in So, a lot of the pros live in SoCal. I know like Forsberg is here. Yeah, well, that's kind of where FD was born and in, in SoCal, you know. with Brian Sage and uh, Jim Wall started FD. Dude, you remember old school FD? It was insane. I didn't like, get into I mean, it until 2015. Do you, do, you not, do you not remember Bubba Drift? So that was before my time. Dude, Bubba About Drift. Three, that was the El Camino, right? Yeah, it was an automatic yeah, El Camino. Like it just shows you how far FD has come in terms of, of of cars and quality and like what it is. Like people look at it now and go, "That's crazy." But like at the beginning of FD, I think it had to be FD or it was a crossover from FD. Was Bubba Drift had a not even like the old school Chevelle El Camino like the nineteen. This is like a. Oh, it was a G body. I know. I remember which one it like was. Like a G body, like the yeah. 
He still ha- he still has his website up. He literally his, his website's still up. Yeah. Yeah. Derek Rogers, Aaron Losey, team owner, James Evans. It was Aaron Losey. Really, was it? Yeah, it looks like it, but it Derek Rogers might have been the drifter. I can't remember, but yeah, but yes. Bubba Drift. Um FD. But yeah, it's an automatic El Camino, like Formula Drift Finals in 2006. Like Chris Forsberg, Reese Millen. I'm like looking at all these old Tanner Faust. It's so funny. Hardest charger of the year. Hitting junior. That's funny. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that I could be wrong, but I remember there was a drift series and I thought it was FD that the Bubba Drift that the El Camino was in and like and it was like the beginning of, of FD. I don't know what year it was. Uh, oh, it looks like it's 2005 or 2004 according to their website. Right. Uh, it says for season recaps from 2005 or 2004 click here. Um, yeah. The Camaro drift car and the return to FD El Camino hangouts. Yeah, so it was, I'm pretty sure it was an FD or it was just like a spectator, but I remember that like vaguely. 2005, I was like in, I was like 17 at the time, maybe. Like, like, yeah, I was like 16. Oh, and he's got Torque Thrust 2s on it. Nice. Yeah, so like that's so funny. Like that's where drifting came from. <laughs> United States is like there was automatic. Not even a manual. It's a, there was an automatic El Camino in Formula Drift. Yeah, now time. like it's in the rule book that like you have to have. No, like, I don't know. Yeah, you can't yeah. even run it. Yeah, the DCTs and stuff are coming out now. But. Is that what? Is that the reason? Uh probably. Like a DCT is like almost just as good as a sequential. Like. You know, like, you know, the DCTs out of the BMWs, like the F, the E92, E90 BMWs, you could put an electronic clutch on them, like a, on a, on a zero to five volt reference switch, you could have a on off clutch pedal and you could clutch kick the DCT and like use it as a sequential. Holy shit. Yeah. People, so you'll see it start come out if people don't outlaw it. But, and then you can, like I'm saying, seems legit. They do a lot of this stuff like that. And there's other companies that are doing it. But yeah, you could, it's a DCT. So yeah, you can put it on a five volt reference to clutch on, clutch off, clutch on, clutch off with the DCT. So, and that's just, you can, can which is, it's, it's a technically an automatic transmission, but it has a clutch in it. Right, like that's yeah, what's in just doing a most cars nowadays. Most cars nowadays that have like the paddle shifters or whatever is a dual clutch transmission. Yeah, and if you're just doing like a five volt reference, you can actually use like a. Uh, Willwood makes these. They're like the brake light indicators that you hook up through your plumbing, so you could technically uh-huh. put a clutch pedal in there, bleed it. You won't have a clutch to actually engage, but if. Well, yeah, just like you would on a simulator. Yeah. 
yeah, like you would be pushing a, a you would feel the sponginess of it. It would go in at this certain point. Like you so could technically simulate that would be it illegal. Be an on off. Yeah, and technically um, it would be legal because there's it's that, the way it's that, a fine line because now you got prospect that say you can't even have a sequential. Yeah, which is fucking. You could crazy. use you can use it in FD. You could use it in Pro One. And sequential is a shift a shifting thing. That's not necessarily a trans thing because you can get yeah. a T fifty six with a sequential shifter on it. That's like, like a question. That's a question for like Kevin Wells. I don't know. Yeah, like, no, 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 I, I know. You have a coach in it, it's and like, a, it's a racing has been. The rule books of racing have been manipulated since the rule book came out. So it's always going to be that way. And but here's the thing your time, you're going to have to figure out how to manipulate it. They're trying to enact all these things in order to like make drifting cheaper. Right? Yeah. But, and then, but some of the stuff they're like, okay, no rear mount radiator. It's like, okay, that might be cheaper, but that's also going to be more expensive in the long run when you take off your front end and your cooling system. Goes you know, now I got to replace the radiator again? Yeah, and it just makes it so much harder to cool your car versus putting it in the rear, which makes it, you know. And then they're like, oh, you can't change the stock steering. Like column. the stock steering mount, the stock steering column. It's like, okay, well, that, I don't think that's a very expensive Yeah, thing. that's like 300 bucks. I mean, yeah. all in, you'll probably spend like 500. Like, and then, like maybe like the stock pedal assembly, which, you know, as an E46 guy sucks, but you're allowed to actually change out your clutch pedal because it's a plastic clutch pedal. Yep. But even though, actually, again, funny, my, my car, so there's a Beamer World makes this hockey puck thing that you can like screw in to, as a hockey puck. As the stop for your clutch, so you set it to like where it just engages, so you're not overthrowing it, so you're not wasting any energy. But the clutch pedal, when you kick it, like I would kick it so much that it would twist the clutch pedal sideways that it would get stuck underneath the hockey puck. And then I'd be like, "What the the hell? My car's got no power!" And all of a sudden, it would lurch forward if the clutch would release. Mine would push to the left, like towards the door. Yeah, or towards like the door bar area. I remember that. Yeah, it, it yeah. was not yeah. fun. My buddy Stop. Andrew has the steel one. I don't know who makes it. Garagistic, Garagistic makes it. Garrett, Garagistic, whatever. I like their shifters. So. Yeah, he make he has the steel one, and like his is like, fucking solid. Yeah, you're allowed. That's the like that you know in the rule book. It's like the PBM brace yeah. for the rear, and then the the. Um, the clutch pedal from Garagistic, those are like the things that you're allowed to change and, and the car is coming up. And then you can only run link ECUs. It's like, I don't know. This is why it's like when it starts getting like this, I think, and people start building, people are still building their car for FD and they're like without ever even like trying to get to FD. It's even me. It's like, I don't even know if I ever want to get to FD and I'm still going to put a link ECU in it probably because I can get a good deal on it. But also right. like, it's not a bad ECU, but like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, I feel like I went, I'm going towards it more just for like, just because it's weird. I can say this from like a driver's perspective who wants to go to FD. The reason my car is built the way it is, is because I want to go to FD and I don't want to have to worry about the fun so of a new You want to go to FD? Yeah, 100%. Uh, um, but I don't want to worry about the funding of having to build a new car to get to FD when FD already costs an arm and a leg. Right. I have no problem. I have no issue trying to pay for this myself. 
I've actually mm-hmm. already kind of. Um, and you, you have the LS engine in your yeah. Car, right? Yeah. So what are you running? An LS2. Your, yes, your ECU. Oh, I have a I have a Holly Terminator. Yeah, you're gonna have to get rid of it. Yeah. But, so um, now, like I'm not doing just it right now. Right, but, like they say, they say they're trying to do it to control costs, but it's like, yeah, you're like not I already helping. spent my money. <laughs> But really what it is, is they want to be able to make sure you're not using traction control yeah. and all the other things and, and be able to monitor your stuff and make it one simple ECU so they can monitor your all of them, everything. which is understandable. And I get it. Um, yeah, sure. But also then it's also the main sponsor for the you know, series. For, yeah. So it's kind of like. But I, like, but that's one thing I would probably leave for last. He's a he's a business. Yeah, some people do forget that Um, when they're like, "Oh, you have all this corporate money." I'm like, "I don't think they do because they'd be putting more money into the show." Um, But you know, and I think Aaron Losey harps on this in his videos. Like, why? What? Okay, what is the outcome for you? Why do you want to go to FD? I just wanted to go compete with the top level, and I want to be good first. And I you can do that at Clutch Kickers. No, I want to compete there too. So, um, I'm so everybody's pissed about it going to Freedom Factory. It's only two and a half hours for me now. So you're not. It was ten hours for me. Yeah. Now it's two and a half. So I'm like, what? No, uh, I'm looking into it. Uh, I won't be able to do it this year, but next year is something I'm looking into. Well, Drift HQ will have rental cars. Uh, I would take my own car. You just rent your car. I'm telling you, it'd be cheaper to rent it. I got a sponsor down there that I can store my car at. So, oh, there you go. So it just it does kind of help. Um, but even like, have you, you got your pro am license? There is no pro am license, but it's the same thing as clutch kickers. You just show up and drive. No, no, no. I mean, have you got your? Have you gone through and got your pro am for FD? No, limited? no, no. So, so you're going correct. I've yeah. gone to pro am events. I'm guessing so this is where this whole podcast started from. Is while you're trying to go through pro am, yeah, it was more you, of like an avenue to have people like something to listen to, because there was never, part. get as much information as you can. Yeah, to, that's what we have yeah. on this podcast. Um, because there wasn't really that kind of like everyone like if you go to a drift event, say you're new, you don't know how to get there. Uh, that's why this was kind of made. Because I didn't know, and I had to like start digging around into it and stuff like that. Um, true, I mean, it's super true. And then, so I, I started kind of having guests on, like, you know, how did you, how are you going about this? Like, I've had Rome Charpanti on here. This is when right. he first got to Pro Two. Mm-hmm. Who else have I had? I've had on Matt Van Kirk uh, after his rookie pro season, and then he took off to Australia. Right. Um. Who's your favorite guest so far? My favorite guest? I don't know if I have one. Uh, I've made like a lot of good friendships off the podcast as well. So, yeah. um, like, who was like your big? You're like, oh, it was cool to have them on. Like, I didn't think I would ever get them on. Hunter Taylor. Hunter Freddy, Taylor. Frederick Osbo's fiance. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I know. She was on there. She's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah she, that's cool. she was. She competes out in uh, Norway. God, I love 
women and drifting. It's so it's, fun. To see. People like people hate on it. That's so crazy. I it is. Just, isn't it weird? <laughs> insecurity. It's insecurity. And I always hear like the women. I but do. like as as having a lot of friends that are in the like women that are in the drift industry. Like I know Sarah Haro and uh-huh. her S14 Hannah and like a lot of the girls that like even media like vital focus. She's like such a good media person. Um. Like she's such a good person, just in general. Like she always like hype. She's like my hype woman. Like anytime I'm feeling down, I just text her. She's like, you know, you're doing so good with your life. I'd be like, thank you, Victoria. <laughs> yeah, um, it is weird. But like Kelsey and just other like women that I've met throughout like my career in drifting and around the drift industry. Like you just listen to what they say, and like it's an uphill battle for sure. And like in a lot in a lot of guys and they're like, oh, they get what they want because they have their women and they can get followers and they just get it for free. It's like that's not that's not how it works. No, not at all. And that's not even fair to say some shit like that. Yeah, and like you know, like they they work just they have to work twice as hard yeah. as the as men in drifting because if you know if you mess up, right, you're just another you're just another guy out here learning. Mm-hmm. If they mess up, oh, she can't drive. Yep, you can't drive. Yeah, it's shit right? like that. Like, there's so much more on their shoulders to like do better than it is than than you. You're just you're just a noob. You can just kind of just fade away into the back. Oh, exactly. You crash your car, yeah, but they fuck up. They crash their car, and it's like, like on the drift news. It's public ridicule for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I've. Uh, so- woman she doesn't know how to yeah. drive rathena i don't know if you know who rathena gomer is she runs no. the drift league no i don't know all the, the drift kitchen girls i love what they're doing i've been trying to talk to like i'm trying i want to get i want to get some people together like big sponsors together and just throw an all female all woman like comp and then have have uh umbrella dudes <laughs> like, there was shorts. something like that recently actually and like short skirts no, it was. I think it was the. It was the drift. Yeah, I think the drift kitchen. I think they had a women's drift event, and they had a car wash where the guys were washing the cars. <laughs> That's dope. Or I think it, they were wearing stuff. They were wearing like the. But it was funny. It was like the role reversal. It was hilarious. I, what I actually what I love about motorsports is the fact that this is like the one thing where mm-hmm. you can't. It's not like, uh, you know an Olympic sport of any kind. Right. So, you know, we're like, it's the one sport where it's, like, it's an even playing field. Once you're in that seat. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have what you were born with, what you look like. It's an I even. Because like somebody's just been in it. Women are better at marketing themselves. Oh, just, oh, they're just better. They're just better business people. Sometimes like mm-hmm. the, the few interactions that like, you know, Colette Davis and Kelsey and all these other people, like people think that they get it just because they get what they get in sponsors because they're women. It's like, no, majority of them have a different mentality of thinking and are just way better at marketing themselves. They are better you know? at you than this. Yeah. Particular they, think, they think, they think of it like, I'm not saying men aren't, I don't want to be in sexist towards men or whatever. It's, I don't know if that's a thing. But I'm just saying that a lot of women I've noticed have been better at marketing themselves yeah. in this. And negotiating better deals. 
For sure. Yeah. No, I it could, you know, and that's, that's the thing. It's what sets you apart. They automatically, I mean, it's, it's, I hate to say it at the same time as being like, Oh, it sucks that, you know, like I don't want them to just be get what they want to because they're women, but sometimes they get, they are able to say that, Hey, I'm the only woman in formula drift. I mean, before Kelsey or before Amanda Sorensen came along, Kelsey was the only one in formula drift, the only woman in all of formula drift yep. driving. And I hope big things for her. I mean, she's definitely had some trouble with her car and stuff like that. Yeah, but she's had. Look at Amanda Sorensen. Amanda Sorensen kills it. Yeah. Like, she's only 18. And her yeah, brother's she's still a kid, too. Dude, they're so young in those E46s. You know, those are E46s. Yeah, you know whose car those are, right? Who? That's Alex. Fuck. Is it Alex? It's so it's Rick. Who do you used to drive for Rick? It was Alex something. He's from Andy Peruvian or, driver. I can't remember. His name. I don't know, but I don't know. They're the same exact car. It's an E46 with an M, the M2 body kit on it. Anyways, yay, M4, I believe, right? M2, M3, M4. Anyways, it was one. Uh, all I know is underneath the chassis is an E46. It is an E46, and I know that it was, it's a yeah. Rick, it's one of Rick's old builds. When Alex, I can't remember his damn last name right now. Alex uh, Rob, Alex Honnadale, FD driver. It's not Alex Honnadale. Uh, Rodriguez. Rick, who though? Rick uh, from, from Service. Huh? Rick, who? Damn it! I want to say RHS. RTS. RTS. Race tech service? Yes. Yeah. Good. It's Alex. I can't remember his damn name. Um, hang on. I'm going through his Instagram feed. Alex, Alex Hilbrun. Alex Hilbrun's old car. That sounds familiar. Um. So, anyways, the Nick no the Wait, first no I, that, that, no that's Nick Novak's the, car. There's two. There's two. So it's Alex Hilbrun's Pro Two car. When he did Pro Two, he got. Uh, Brandon Sorensen yeah, got that car, from my understanding. Brandon Sorensen got his car, correct. Right. And then Brandon won it. Brandon won his license at the U.S. Drift Shootout. Correct, the car. first one they had. Yeah. And then I, I could be wrong on this. I think that's his old Pro Two car, from my understanding. And I do know that Nick Novak bought Alex Hilbrum's Pro One car, which is the one, the purple one that he correct. just computed. But they are two different cars. He almost won Arrowdale without that roof flying off. Yeah. yeah. And they got so, him on a technicality. Yeah, I mean, like he, is, I, he won. But Ro- he won. Rome had that problem too in Pro Two last year, or the year before, when his remember his he his trailer rolled over and almost died. Yeah, that Saint was Louis. nuts. And then get, got it there, and then as he transitioned in the outside zone, his two, door popped open. His door popped open for two seconds, and like not even on the side that the rear. The chase driver could see. It was his door, yeah. It was his his driver's door. So yeah. it wasn't in the side that the chase driver could see. It only popped up for a second. He closed it. And they still defaulted him. In, and I was in there like, uh, it, like, I remember them talking like, technically, like the rules written because it's a distraction, but it doesn't say that if it isn't a distraction, like it's such a, it was such a technicality that I remember they had to give. I forgot who the chase driver was to win. I think it was. I think it was Field. I think it was Matt Field. Yeah, I do but yeah, that. yeah. It was like 
That's funny. And then, yeah, so, yeah, Nick Novak with his roof flying off. E46, bro? No, I put one into a wall. I'm good. Yours went into a wall? Yeah. Oh, I, I hit yeah. the wall at Irwindale. I'll send you, a, I'll send you a video. That wall, that wall scares people, dude. Yeah, it, it totaled the car. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not any good at all. I'm not anywhere good at all. And, like, never been on a bank. Don't even know how close I want to get to a wall on a bank. I would like Manji near a wall, like a K rail, and it's like that's fun. But like being on a, being on like OSW bank, I don't. The TV doesn't do it justice. Like when you're like it's way more scary in real life. Have you been to Irwindale? No, because oh, uh, I've never no. been to OSW, so I was kind of I was wondering if they're similar. I bet you Irwindale's probably. Uh, more scary because it seems like the bank is probably the same, but it's a less radius, so it's faster. Correct. Right. So OSW is a a, a uh, very tighter radius, so like maybe the bank's a little bit higher, but like, and you have to get real closer, but it's easier. It's a little bit slower, I guess. But the Irwindale looks like it is a less of a radius, but just as high, so you're probably going twice as fast. So yeah. it's probably way scarier, especially in FD, and that course is pretty fast. Uh, um, OSW or Irwindale? Irwindale, because it's just it's a very, you know, decreasing radius bank into like a very fast Manji section, like that inner flipping one to like outside zone two into outside zone three. Like it's a very fast paced course. I know like from what I was reading in the, the team chat, like the wheel speed for Irwindale was like super high. So they were going through their tires twice as fast. Uh-huh. So, like they're only getting like one lap out of a set of tires. Like, yeah. Like, so like tire wear and getting your gearing is, is very critical. Do you have do you have a winners in yours? No, actually, no. I'm stocked it. Um, and I won't go. I won't do, go winners. I'll probably yeah, do like, like a four eight point eight. Dude, that is like the, the. If you're going to go pro, that's like the one thing. If you can over, like I would keep the stock engine and put a winters in it before I would put like a GSR or like a different transmission. I have a Muncie. It's not even anything special. It's from an old hot rod. <laughs> Munson? You have a four-speed Munson in it? Munson, yeah. Jesus. Hey, uh, but, but when I do go dog box, I just got to put it in. I don't have to do a whole bunch of other bullshit. I don't have to buy a new clutch. I guess you yeah, have to buy a new drive shaft. It's probably the same. Because huh? you know, that's, that's what all the NASCAR guys used to run back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I would need to do like the G101A or something like that. Isn't that like that? Isn't that the GSR like all based off that? that I believe it's kind of like I believe the the first edition is like the G101A, which is kind it's of like, the outside casing for yeah that, for that, the side shift, yeah. which is what I have. Um, but I think once they kind of did the GSR, they kind of made it better, right? Um, but since mine's already set up for a side shift, my handbrake's already where it's at. I wouldn't have to change anything. I would just get a side shift transmission and put it in, right. But like he, so yeah. But I mean, okay, that's also that's a nice thing to have. But it's also six grand. Um, yeah, but I've seen them go for 
dirt cheap too. The side shifts, yeah. The side shifts are cheap because not many cars can fit a side shift, especially like BMWs and S chassis are very I had, small. I had the narrow. same transmission in the B, in my E46 too. In the side shift? Yeah, I just cut it. Cut it, yeah. move some metal and, around. That's the thing is, like, depending on which series you go, you, I don't think you're allowed to modify the trans tunnel at certain places, so you have to use the top mount. Not in any one that I've done. I could be, I could be F- wrong. FD I could is... be wrong, but I know a lot. There's a reason why guys, even though with the cost, go with the side, the top mount versus the side mount. Mm-hmm. There's some reason I don't know. It's whether because they have to, they can't modify the tunnel, or they just don't want to because there's seats there. There's and a like, lot of guys that have run into yeah, issues yeah. with the shifting linkage and stuff like that. So I know that's yeah. kind of a concern. Um, right. But I've never had an issue with shifting at all. And I've never blown a trans or anything. But then again, I don't get as much seat time as I'd like. So, but like final drive is more important than a GSR. Yeah, because you you got four years right with the right, but a lot of the reason why that work that GSR works so well and like FD and ProSpec is because they have a winter, so like they set it up so they're literally can go from second to third, third to fourth, so they're literally only using third and fourth, so they have to go back and forth, mm-hmm. right. But you have to be able to do that in order to set it up that way by changing the rear end gears. So if you can't, don't have the ability to change your rear end gears, the transmission doesn't, that GSR doesn't really, isn't really the best. Like you can stay with a stock Tremec and if you have one. And I like, I, if I, I'm just saying, if anybody's listening and they're deciding to go with like, oh, do I get a transmission or do I get the winners? I would go with the winners before I would get with the transmission because some of the transmission, like this Tremex can hold power, right? And if you have one for like an LS swap or whatever, even like I'm on that BMW that I'm building, the Jay-Z, like I'm using a BMW transmission, like out of the E92, that's supposed to hold like 800 horsepower. Mm. And I'm going to spend the money on a winner's. It's like I would a winners matters way but like way more. Trent final gear, final drive is way more important than than a lot of people think. And especially especially in like pro driving, because getting your wheel speed right and getting like just being able to just set your car in there and just have your on throttle right at the red limit without having a switch between gears and just let off transition, go back on throttle, let off transition back on throttle. Like having to be able to do that is just because like you have the right gearing set, you have your wheel speed correct. And that like, that's the difference between like e-brake, 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 off throttle, on throttle, off throttle, off throttle. Like, and that's like how you get bigger points is by being more consistent with your throttle. I don't know. That's my opinion. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, I'm just speculating from what I've seen in like FD and what I've speculated, like what I've learned from talking to pro drivers and being around a lot of people and like knowing that like, like even Chelsea Denofa before like winners were a thing, he would have a Ford 8.8, right? 
and he used to carry around like five diffs that all had different ratios to swap out at different tracks. He was on a stock M3 diff. What? Yeah, he had like five M3 diffs he would carry around. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe it was that. I thought he, I swear to God, I thought he had an 8.8. Yeah. I thought he had a. I remember I the only reason I Either remember because he, he had if it was eight eight or M three he had like four diffs yeah or five he did say that that he would swap out and like that was like his quote quick change I don't know how quick it is but yeah um, when I but that like, that shows you like that shows you how if you're willing to carry around like diffs aren't light if you're willing to carry around five diffs with you yeah it's then like that that shows you how important it is to like to have a quick change dip. No, anyway, you only have to carry a couple gears with you. Yeah, it really it really is important. I, I, quick change is like the big out of the big ticket items, I think it's more important than some other things. It's not set in stone yet for the other stuff, but I did buy gears for an eight point eight for dirt cheap. So no. You can always sell it. Right. Hopefully make a profit off of it. But all right, man. I think I'm going to call it here. It is getting late and my dogs are getting loud now. How long have we been going? Two and a half hours. It's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Huh? It's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, no, his is, his is, nah, uh, his is much nicer. <laughs> No, I meant like the length. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some some people like them, and some people are like, why is it so long? I love long podcasts. I like. Same way. I listen for our podcast. Like, if somebody talked for four hours and interested in what they have to say, I'll sit there and listen to them. Yeah. And then, like, we kind of spoke a little bit before about, like, you prefer the video podcasts on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. See, me, I, I don't. I wish Aaron Losey would have an audio version that I can listen to when he's doing his interviews. Well, that's because it's all about how it's set up, how it's presented. Like my favorite podcast to watch or like uh, Two Bears, One Cave. Oh, with uh, Bert Kreischer and... uh, Yeah, and Tom Segura. Those are my favorite comedians. You have to watch that. Is it good? Like you cannot not like if you were listening to the audio, you'd be like, I gotta, I gotta see what the hell they're talking about. Like yeah. You have to watch it. Like you cannot consume that podcast by just listening to it. I have to give it a listen one day because I've heard a lot about it, but I've never actually listened to it. Yeah, you know it's, it's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you know, you. I, I, I talk your ear off. That's usually like. I could probably talk for another four hours about all the shit that I learned and know in the industry and stuff. But maybe on another episode. Sure, we'll do another one, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, where can people find you, sir, if they want to get a hold of you or follow uh, you? Just find me on um, Instagram. So Allstone Media, A-L-L-S-T-O-N-E Media. That's uh, how I found you. I, I'm most active on there. That's Sweet. pretty much it. So. Awesome, man. Thanks uh, for coming hit on. me up, follow me, like me, subscribe. I don't care. Do what you want. But don't send hate. them all your proposals. Very nice person. I don't want any hate mail. He said, Give him, if you send him a message, say, Give me free parts. Yeah, send me a, hit me up for free tires. I'll, <laughs> no, I'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah. All righty, man. Thank you again Later, for coming bro. on. You have a good night. Have, you too, brother. Have a good one.